Welcome to the Uncomfortable Conversations on Predators in Business, Community, and Culture, a podcast exploring the real-life stories of predatory patterns in our everyday lives, with episodes ranging from well-meaning white people to CPTSD and high achievers' anxiety in a world that has a fetish for peak performance. My name is Guru Nishan. I'm a disruptor of cultural indoctrination and actively support the dismantling of false identity by curating uncomfortable conversations on taboo topics hiding in plain sight. I stand committed to breaking codes of silence, shame, and secrecy in our own families, communities, companies, and cultures, but mostly within our own bodies. Welcome back to another episode, folks. This is Guru Nishan, and I'm excited for our guest today. Um, I want to thank you all for listening and be sure to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to subscribe on whatever platform um, that you are listening to and give us a review because it helps our ratings. Thanks so much for listening. Today's guest is Jennifer Rayala. She spent eight years and recruited hundreds of people into Arbonne, a skincare and wellness company in the multi-level marketing industry, eventually morphing into an MLM coach multi-level marketing coach and self-development junkie, starting with learning to recruit others in the multi-level marketing business, all while having a newborn baby. Her part-time success got her moving up in the ranks, eventually quitting her job as a social worker to build her business full-time. In 2019, she was recruited into the Rank Makers, a MLM coaching program run by Ray Higdon. She quickly became a coach a top coach in that system and a go-to coach within the rank maker system, investing three years with promises of becoming a top speaker and leadership coach in the industry. Meanwhile, she was hustling to grow within the rank maker system without an hourly wage, no benefits, and no personal balance. This continued through the pandemic with sales tactics to target at-home opportunities Disgruntled with the process, she was told it was her mindset that was the issue. So she began taking more personal development courses with Tony Robbins to become a better coach. In 2021, after working on herself for so many years, she was burnt out and noticed a friend on TikTok who had left and was speaking out against the MLM industry and coaching business model. She woke up. And in May 2022, she confronted Ray in one of the leadership meetings and then left the meeting. Within 24 hours, she was excommunicated. Today, she's a fierce voice speaking out as an anti-MLM advocate. She lives in Michigan with her husband, Derek, and their three daughters for the last 10 years. I found Jennifer on Instagram because I interviewed somebody else who was that person that you saw on TikTok. And I just want to say, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. I am so excited that we connected and I'm excited to dive into this crazy convoluted story. <laughs> you did such a great job of recapping all of that. I'm still in awe. <laughs> <laughs> um, the recap is so necessary because when I um, reached out to you, you know, I didn't know the the full story, but I did gather because um, 
one of the episodes was was Julie Anderson, and this is the first conversation, you know, speaking out that I've brought onto the platform around multi-level marketing. And I had spent 12 years in the industry, so I have a lot to say. Um, but one thing I do know is that when you work up in levels of leadership within any of these systems, the level of indoctrination and the level of psychological abuse and manipulation that happens within these leadership circles is very different than what happens at any other level of, of getting up in that pyramid level scheme and system called multi-level marketing. So it's one of the reasons I'm excited to hear your story today, because it is convoluted in this larger story of personal development and the striving for success and the never enoughness and how this industry really preys on that never enoughness. And so as a coach um, in the multi-level marketing industry, hearing your story and even just the synopsis of it in this email, Jennifer, it sent all sorts of like trauma response memories through my body. Like, like, whoa, do I remember this? Yes. That was absolutely my experience. What you had just mentioned about like the deeper you went through the levels, the more entrenched in the web of the manipulation you became. And though when, when you first get recruited, it's that it's going to get easier the, the higher up you go. And I, in fact, did not find that. I found that just as you mentioned, they, I became much more psychologically manipulated and just there's, you know, the sunk cost fallacy and all of those things at play as well. But I, going back also to what you had mentioned about that feeling of not enoughness, that was absolutely the thing that was weaponized uh, with me or galvanized. I'm, I'm not quite sure which, which word to use because it did, sh it did like excite me um, because I felt that sense that many of us feel if we've been in a high control environment or relationship is like, it felt good. It felt like this was the answer to a prayer, but I was a mom and I had a two-year-old at the time. And I had just found out that I was pregnant with our second child, like two weeks prior. Mm. And a friend from college had reached out to me and I had in, really enjoyed reconnecting with her. And she had started this new business and asked me to try some skincare samples. I was not somebody that really washed my face. And so I'm like, yeah, sure. It's free samples. It was completely free. She mailed them to me. I was a stressed out social worker. I was working 50, 60 hours a week. I was on call every other weekend. So I was used to just like falling into bed, not washing my face. So when I used the product and actually used like a high quality product on my face, I, I really did love the way I felt taking that time for myself felt really good and really special. And so I told her, I, I like this. I would love to purchase the skincare. And before I knew it, as is the experience of so many people, it's like, I went from just wanting skincare to all of a sudden arbonizing my entire home. And that is a word that is used in Arbonne 
loaded language. If you're familiar with any sort of. Yeah. So I'm going to pause yeah. and just say your company was Arbon, So therefore it's called Arbonize. My company yes. was called Symmetry. So we symmetrized, right? Um, you know, every company, you know, does this, you know, they create the thematic thing. And what you're pointing out is how it starts as an innocent free sample. And then it moves into very quickly within months, you went from March, 2014, October, November, December. And then by March, 2015, you know, you've already been influenced to, you know, stretch out, like get as much success as you can during your maternity leave because you have the time. Um, You've already invested more product. Like if you've gone to an event, they've, you've invested a larger amount of product, which is a part of that urbanize your household. In order to sell the product, you have to be a product of the product. And so there's these themes and these slogans that pass through the industry, no matter what company you might be involved in. And so it's really important to hear the tips that that Jennifer is going to point out, because these are key pointers that moves from the illusion of you can build a part-time business in X amount of time to a full-time commitment, and you're still not getting results. And you don't notice it because the indoctrination is telling us this is a long-term business. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you got to think long-term. And so you automatically start investing this five-year plan idea, but you do think you're going to be making more than a small amount of money a month. Yes, absolutely. And I, when um, I initially joined and I urbanized my home, like I mentioned, so Essentially, what that means is everything that you use, hair care, skin care, personal care, body care, baby care, you it's all Arbon now because you are the brand. And like you had mentioned, that's across every company. But I was told that this was a one-time investment. Mm. If you get everything now, not only are you getting it at a deeper discount because you're new and we always give new people, we incentivize them to get it all in the beginning. And, but as you shared that, that very quickly changes because then there's the holiday products and then you go to conference and they launch all these new products. And every couple of months you are expected to reinvest and it is pitched. I'm using the word investment, but it's not an investment. It is a loss. And it is, and you are told then if you complain and say, you know, either my business isn't working, you are told, well, you know, maybe it's because you didn't get the products last time. Or you're also told like, if you got the products, well, you bought those on your own free will. Nobody like, (laughs) even when I left, people would say, oh, well, no one put a gun to your head, making you buy all those products. It's really painful what you're saying, because essentially you're told one thing about why you should invest X amount when you're brand new and it's beyond your investment. But then by then you've already attended so many different things where you feel like you're a part of something and you're a part of something bigger. And so that sunk sunk cost fallacy really comes into play then, right? Because you think, okay, well, maybe it is my mindset. Maybe I really do need to be focusing on X, move the products, turn them over as opposed to kind of getting caught up in why did I buy them? Yes. And when I made my initial investment, which was about $1,500, 
I, if not more, uh, but I actually made it back within the first few events that I did. And I thought, wow, this is really working. So that's like another thing that plays on you because you start to think, well, this worked before when I did those other events, I look how much I sold. I can make that happen again. And so you're always chasing that feeling, not realizing that, you know, it was your first couple events, your friends wanted to be supportive of their business, but your friends can't continue to buy from you every single month. And so you have to get in front of new people by the, towards the end, which I will get to, like, I was traveling across the state of Michigan to, to try to get in front of new people. Social media was a a thing. And, but you, you're, you're always trying to find the new strategy that's going to unlock the secret that you're searching for. The other thing I wanted to say real quick too, because you mentioned a five-year plan from the very beginning that was pitched to me. Now, the woman that I got on a a call with and in the industry, it's called a third-party call. So it's like somebody comes on of higher influence, probably the same in what you did. And she was a former Wall Street executive. And she had claimed that she knew everything about business and finance and had never seen anything like network marketing, had never seen anything like Arbonne, where these two booming industries of skincare, beauty, and wellness were converging. And I was a social worker. This woman, she's from New York City. She's got this supposed business acumen. And I'm like, she must know more than I do. Like, this is this is such a blessing that she is sharing this knowledge with me. And so it was pitched to me, like, if you invest the whole thing about compounding interest, but like, as far as time went, this is a five-year plan. And that was used against me again when I was about to go on maternity leave. I had been doing this part-time alongside of my social work. And they told me, they said, if you have already promoted twice by doing this part-time, you have such a busy career, you've got a little one, you've been pregnant, just imagine how quickly you would go if you quit your job and could go all in and did it full-time. All in. All in. That was such a good line. All of this is recruiting tactics that I became very good at as a leader to help other people transition from part-time to full-time. And that exact line, imagine, imagine what you could do. You've done this in this amount of time, but imagine, but you're not adding in the fact that what comes is the added stress of having no idea where your finances are going to be paid. So here you're going full-time, but you're, you're bringing in people that are now go full-time and they become, you know, anxious ridden humans because they're, they don't have any stable income. So you've recruited them from this part-time stable, successful idea of a part-time business into exactly what you're saying. And then they're uplifted. Everybody's giving them attention. Everybody's saying, congratulations, you're all in, you're on the team. You did it. You are an entrepreneur. You're one of the 1%. So you're getting all that love bombing and suddenly you think you did the right thing and it reinvigorates you and you're recommitted. But the reality is there is no long-term plan because you have no consistent income coming in. Yes. When I did my first event, I had shared I've shared already that it was 
pretty successful. I had a supportive group of friends, which I'm lucky for that. Many people don't. I recruited somebody at my very first presentation and I wasn't even aware of recruiting yet. I still believed that I was selling product. And so when this person said to me, oh, I would, I would love to become a consultant. I actually had to call uh, the woman who I spoke to on the phone and say, it, can she do this with me? You know, I didn't really realize it was a thing. And she's like, oh my gosh, see, I told you, you were such a natural. Exactly. And love bombed me, made me feel like I was just so good at this. And there were there were posts in the Facebook group made about me, like, look at this small town social worker, did her first event and recruited her first person. And I felt, I worked in state government. I felt so seen. Mm. I felt like, wow, I'm actually getting, I always felt like a hard worker, which I am. We, so many of us are. And I felt like, wow, I'm getting recognized for my hard work. I I've never really experienced that before. Yes. I also just want to go back to the point you made about um, the third party leader. So the, the, the tactic that's used right in the industry is this idea of edification and you're always edifying to someone because they always say the prophet isn't welcome in their own hometown. So you have to edify someone else who gets more respect. And so you could say the same thing to say your recruit or to your person in your team. But if you edify somebody else and you let that person know what you want this person to hear, then that person can, can, and, and this is this triangular leadership kind of, it's a, it's a sales model tactic. That's quite manipulative in the industry. And you spoke to it specifically, how it was used to have this wall street person, you know, they are touted as this successful business acumen person in real life, in, in, in corporate life, not in this industry. And so it, what it does is that it adds a legitimacy in our own minds, especially for those of us that aren't business minded, um, that are kind of more the earthy people that work with people and love helping people. Um, this type of person really like looks up to that type of person. Right. So I remember they would do the same thing, whether it was the Wall Street person or Robert Kiyosaki in that book on on legitimizing the industry because he was a regular investor. And then he looks at the industry and says, oh, my gosh, what a great industry. Same thing with this person. This Wall Street person comes in and says, oh, my God, beauty and wellness converging. It's the perfect time. And then talks about compounding interest and real money principles that are infused yeah. and wrapped around this manipulative tactic that's used on unknowing people that think we're really building something for ourselves and, and becoming entrepreneurs. Yes, she, she was very good at that. The other thing that we were taught is either, either you find someone that you can position as somebody of authority or find somebody just like the person you're trying to recruit. So if I hadn't gotten on the phone with that woman, they probably would have found somebody who was a social worker or you know, about to be a mom. And these are tactics that are trained. I did them 
And it's a big reason why I speak out in a, in an attempt to like reckon with and reconcile mm. the things that the, the manipulation that I also did to other people. But yeah, yeah. that, that was the other well thing said. is. Well said. So you're talking about, yeah, people that have a similar background. So one of the ways um, that I remember, and, and, and we can kind of compare notes here is, um, it was one of the quote values of why you should go to the conference or go to larger leadership meetings is because you got to quote network with other leaders. And then this way you're helping each other grow each other's team. And there's no better edification than coming from somebody who doesn't make money on your person. Right. So you're kind of learning how to chum it up with other leaders at your rank or higher ranks so that you can introduce your new person to somebody that might have a background that's not yours, but they're, they understand those same quote leadership tactics too. So they can edify you back. And now your person thinks you're more important than quote you are. Yes. <laughs> Going to conference was to collect stories. I have had training calls where that was taught. You're not going to conference to necessarily learn a new skill set or to learn how to keep a profit and loss statement. You're going to collect stories to surround yourself with the people that you want to be like because you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself hang with. About, which, yeah, you are the people yes. you hang out with. Um, but then back to the edifying, like this is one of the biggest things that got me in the industry is that tactic is. Um, there were other leaders all throughout the nation. And at our time, like the, the company had their leaders, their, their training system involved in the company. So they had a training company and then they had a product company. So they were merged where your experiences, where you had its product company called Arbon, but then you ended up in the Ray Higdon group, which was this training company. And that blew my mind when talking to Julie was, wow, there's a whole industry that has emerged called multi-level marketing coaching. But where I had come from, that was all infused within these leadership teams. So the leadership teams I joined had kind of created their own factions of training. And they were, they were literally doing that, but built into the multi-level marketing system, what Ray's doing, which is what's highly illegal about it. I mean, the FTC shut down a lot of these companies that were doing this dual system of training. Um, oh, Wow. And, and this goes way back. That's why watching it emerge in the in the Ray group. Um, anyways, what I was pointing out was the reason that I got involved was the person who, quote, recruited me was just a total asshole. And I didn't relate to him at all. But he specifically put me in front of other people that had different stories so that me and my husband at the time could buy in, that we could, we could see ourselves in somebody else's story. Oh. Wow. I did not even know that there were companies that were merged in the way that you just said, where it offered both the coaching and, and that's, and it's so, so interesting. My mind is still blown. <laughs> yeah. And, and so not only that, but it's, it's a lot of the reason why a lot of these early companies got shut down by the FTC because they had obvious like they actually created them as separate entities, but little did we know as business, independent business owners, we didn't know they were separate because there were being sold one and the other all infused. And, and then what smart leaders did 
was created their own training system within the company, right? So that's how I grew in the industry was my leader had a training company and he taught us recruit to the training company and then the training company will sell the business. So I never learned to do a presentation and sell product. We just recruited the training company and then the training company sold the product. But it was a built-in system that I that I was doing what you did with Ray, building somebody else's training company, unbeknownst to me, because I just bought into the system that said, if I build this training system, the training system will build my business. And wow. over time, it would grow. But it's similar. I just see yours separate because Arbon was here and Ray Higdon Group was here. It and somehow... Yeah, somehow he convinced everybody from all these different companies to come. I mean, that's blowing my mind. Yes, Eric Warre does it as well. It's very, it's becoming much more common where these coaches are, these MLM coaches are sticking their talons into all sorts of different companies and just having them recruit them into their coaching program, like you said. So, and I kind of why because the multi-level marketing companies will have like the top guy come in as a speaker and then he's touted, you know, there's this whole like top leadership tier of tier of MLM leaders that quote, never got success in their company, but they realized the real money was in the training and development and the yep. training and development is what was illegal and what was getting shut down. And so they decided to just start that as its own faction, which obviously it's working because, because plenty of people are joining these systems. That's exactly what happened to me as I was pushed through this pipeline into personal development and to kind of go back a bit to the timeline, I promoted up the ranks fairly quickly. I was the first person in my area to be affiliated with Arbon. That was a big thing. I got in like right before the social media wave and I was pretty social media savvy. And so I rode that a bit. And I also, I think my social work background just made me really great at I had some knowledge of psychology and although I didn't realize I was using it unethically, I think I could talk to people and sell things to them because I was used to like speaking to people who are at risk and, you know, um, conflict resolution and answering objections. And so that bode well for me. And I recruited quite a few people. And that's how I was able to go up the ranks. You don't go up the ranks by selling product. I want to make that so clear. So those were kind of the things that led me to promote rather quickly. I go on maternity leave and people are always like, their mind is blown, but I promoted to the second level of management, which was right before the Mercedes on November 30th. And I had my second baby on December 1st. That is blowing my mind. I worked up until the very last moments to hit that promotion because I believed I had to finish it because I was told you want to have money. You're going to, you're going to need to have money coming in when you're on maternity leave, but it didn't stop there. And while on maternity leave, there were a couple Let's pause there and just say that you worked all the way up in, this is your second baby. So you had a baby, right? Yes. So, and let's also note, let's also just note that, that you're prized for that. 
within the system itself that is looked at as relentless dedication. Yeah. The all in where the baby wears the logo and the baby becomes the symbol of what one does in to be a dedicated Arbonne leader, a Mercedes Benz bombshell, whatever. And a dedicated mother. And, 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 but how that's used, how within the system that that's used as you're such a dedicated mother and that she's, that your child gets to be involved in something that's life changing. So it's really, you're loved bombed for that level of sacrifice. Yes, I, I, absolutely. I was love bombed and I was put on a pedestal. Look how, look how hard, look how dedicated Jennifer is. And it felt really, really good. It felt really, really good. And while I was on maternity leave, even though just the month prior, I was told work really hard. So when you go on maternity leave, you can enjoy it and have money coming in again. That is not what the reality became. The reality became now you want to keep working because you don't want to lose all of your hard work. And I remember having glimpses of like, gosh, this this is like seeming to be a lot, but I'm a new mom. I mean, I'm told like, oh, it's mom brain. It's just normal. And I'm like barely sleeping. I'm sleep deprived as a new mom as it is. I, I did, I don't know which way is up. And so honestly, any person in my life that is giving me some sort of guidance, I am like, please, thank you. Like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And so I kept working and I thought, you know what? I can send some text messages while I'm breastfeeding or during late night feedings. And it felt like, wow, this is really something that I'm doing while being present as a mother, not realizing like it was how much it was taking me away because it started off with just a couple text messages here and there, like good customer service. And then it turned into an all out obsession with getting to that next level. So then I could quit my job. And the other thing at play is I'm on maternity leave and, you know, this isn't the, the case for every mother, but you have that time with your newborn and you have like, you're trying to build a connection and it can be very difficult to go back to work anyway. There isn't any sort of solid maternity leave in this country. And I'm like, I don't want to go back to work. And there's those voices, whether from my upline or just in the back of my head, it was both that were like, if you can do this while with a newborn, you could do this with a uh, part-time while you were still doing social work. Imagine what you could do if you quit your job and went all in that came back up. And so I quit my job and I went all in. And this is where Arbon really took over my entire identity. It's interesting because I stayed at that level for four and a half years. And the message that was constantly told to me was, 
Well, you just don't have the belief that you had when you first started. And so I thought it was something wrong within me, within my mindset, my lack of belief in myself. We were always told in Arbonne, and this is across every company, it's either a lack of belief in yourself, a lack of belief in the products, or a lack of belief in the company or industry. So pick one, work on it. And you'll, un- you'll get yourself, when you unlock, unlock it, you'll get to yourself to the next level. And I was always trying to figure out what is it? Is it, <sighs> I know it's me, but what is it about me that I need to fix? Mm-hmm. And because I was plateaued there and stuck for four and a half years, I went searching for an MLM coach. I decided I'm going to not just go to Arbon events. And, and I've, I said, I got pushed through the pipeline. This is what the industry does. I was just like ripe for the picking. And I just, like, <laughs> just traveled along. I decided I'm going to go to industry events. I'm, I'm not just going to be the best Arbon consultant I can be. I'm going to be the best multi-level marketer I can be. And so I went to an Eric Warre event, who was another multi-level marketing coach. And at his event, I was introduced to Ray and Jessica Higdon, who run a group called Rank Makers. And I signed up for Rank Makers from that event because I was sold the idea that if I joined Rank Makers, I would have success in my MLM business. The industry-wide pipeline, I think it's so good. I think that MLM pipeline, some somewhere along the line, people realized, wow, the real money's in the coaching, and there's a whole bunch of right pickings in these in these company rah rah sessions, and the companies only teach so much, you know. Um, so this idea that you're plateaued for four years. And all the feedback you get is that it, you know, it's your belief, you know, either in yourself, in the product or the company or the industry itself. So therefore work on yourself, you buy in and that gets you another two, three, four years of, of, of relentless striving. So you go looking for a coach because it must be you. And, and what's the thing you need? Everyone needs a good coach. Michael Jordan needed a good coach, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they give all the analogies. Go ahead. Yeah. A great coach has, it can be very valuable. And I want to just paint a picture too. I don't even know how they convinced me that my belief wasn't sound because I was so obsessed when, when I, when we would travel pause and say, it's because of the plateau. So this is, this is a part of the hook when you're at a rank that you've already learned that you don't have your voice doesn't matter if you don't have results. So you've already bought in on that and and you've reached plateau. So you're no longer the quote sensation and success that you were when you were new. You've, they've moved you beyond these stages, but now you're at a plateau. And so therefore your voice doesn't matter as much because results is what matters. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's how, but go ahead, tell the story. I I just want to give people paint a little bit of a picture of how, obsessed I became like when we would travel I would pack an entire suitcase of my supplements and all of my Arbon products because I I would never use the products in the hotel room I could never go a day without my 
energy fizz or my greens or my protein shake or any of that. I needed to have it for my kids, you know, and I once again, the prodigy of dedication. You're like the living prodigy of what it means to be a dedicated Arbon specialist. You know, it's like it's you're a walking, talking product. I also shared, you know, quote unquote, the Arbon opportunity with everybody I knew. So when people would say, well, you know, you're not talking to enough people. Whenever that was said to me, I'm like, I have literally, I, except for, you know, maybe the stranger on the street. And that was another tactic that was taught. If you're in an airport, it was called like the three feet three rule. Foot rule. Yes. the three. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I know it so well. And, it's you know, the higher crazy. up you go, you know, what happens at these leadership trainings is the top leaders, you know, the people that have, you know, documented success will tell these amazing stories of how they were going on a trip to blah, 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 blah. And they ended up meeting blah, 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 blah. Or the person sitting next to them on the seat is the blah, 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 blah. And then they, you know, and there ends up being these everyday stories of, wow. It, and so, you keep putting it back to you. The personal responsibility is back on you and back on you as if you're not talking to enough people. But when you become a prodigy like you or me, where we were talking to everything that moved, then it has to be your belief because that's the intangible. Yes, because I was, I'm sharing that because I was implementing every strategy. I was buying all the products, using all the products, talking to the people within three feet of me had a huge running list of people I was following up with. Every single person in my life heard about our Arbon or knew I was doing Arbon. My entire social media was all Arbon all the time. And so actually that's a great segue into rank makers because some of the tactics that Ray, I was so overt and out there about being affiliated with Arbon that when I joined rank makers and a lot of his tactics were much more covert and mm. manipulative and don't talk about, don't say your company name because then people can go Google it and find information. You shouldn't be telling them you're a part of Arbon or whatever your company is. I was like, oh, wow, this is what I'm doing wrong. Here it is. I've got to listen to this guy. The other thing that I wasn't doing was Facebook lives and he was really big on using live video. So it checked boxes of things I wasn't doing. So I decided, you know, I'm going to invest in a coach, which was something I hadn't done yet. I'm going to start doing live videos and I'm going to like remove everything Arbon from my page and just be a little bit more covert with it. And it started to work because I was, oh, and the other thing is cold messaging. He was big with cold messaging. And within Arbon, we were actually uh, discouraged from cold messaging because it was like slimy and whatever. And I'm like, I'll try anything. I've got to figure this thing out. I'm all in at this point. (laughs) I quit my job. This is I've burned the boats. If you've ever heard that burned the boats. So yeah, it's yes. a story and think and grow rich. And they tell the story, you know, and they look back and burns the boats. So you know that you only have one option and that's to win or to die. Exactly. <laughs> 
So I'm like, I'm again, I am coachable. That is like at this point in my life that I, I had so much pride around that. Tell me what to do and I will do it. And I did it. And so I started doing live video. I started doing all the things. I started cold messaging. And because they were just little tweaks that were just a little bit more um, manipulative. There's no other word. People were would respond. And so actually within 30 days of being within Rank Makers, I had my biggest personal sales that I'd had since I started. And I was convinced it was because of Ray and because of Rank Makers and that this was a sign. Then what happened is about um I so I share that in the Rank Makers Facebook group because we are told to share success stories. That's very commonplace within the entire industry. And when you share a success story, give all of the credit to the company, the product, to your mentor. Everything positive is directed towards that. And everything negative is always on your fault. It's always, you have to take personal accountability and responsibility. So I share my person, my biggest month in personal sales in rank makers. And of course I give it all to Ray. Oh my gosh, this group is amazing. I did the action step every single day and I had my biggest uh, month and a salesperson reaches out to me from the Higdon group team and asks me if I want to be a part of a program called the 100 K inner circle. And this program is an elite group that works directly with Ray, that this is only for people who have a desire to get to six figures. And if I join this group, I will get to six figures in my network marketing business, in my multi-level marketing business. And the way it was sold to me is like, we chose you, we plucked you out of the group. And now Rankmakers has about 15,000, 13, 15,000 people in it at this point. So to be told, like we plucked you out of this entire group and we think you'd be a great fit for this inner circle. I'm like, wow, it was a $5,000 investment. I had never paid that much for any coach. And I'm like, if I want to, you know, they prayed on the whole, like, money mindset and like you got to spend more to make more and all of that and we could stop and talk about that if you want um i want to ask a question um, when you first asked for a coach and you found ray higdon group what did you pay rank makers at that time was 20 bucks a month i believe okay, so now it's 25 30 a month i'm not sure so when you went to that eric meeting then you learned about the higdon group the university or whatever with ray and then you pay, that's, that's the first step in 20 bucks a month and you get access to the private Facebook group. And then he really touts this methodology of how to contact leads and don't be so overt, be more covert. Um, don't say the name of the company you're doing leading language. So you're basically similar to how they reached out to, I'm saying this for listeners. Um, so uh, it would be like a, 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 like a similar cold messaging would be, um, Hey, are you looking to maybe make some extra income part-time? 
yada, yada, like some sort of a simple lead, but you're being upbeat, you're offering what's in it for them, um, which is usually people want to have more fun or make money, have more free time. These are usually like the three pain points. And so most people, you know, one out of however will call you back and be like, well, you had left me a message. What is it? And then it gives you a chance to banter with them and then move them in a pipeline towards your system. And then the lives he introduced. So real quick within this $20 a month system in 30 days by implementing these simple tweaks, as you called them, um, you had quote product results, obviously, because you're talking to more people and you're selling more stuff. And, and there's uh, product sales means she's personally selling more. It doesn't mean her team grew more. Doesn't mean she, her inspiration was able to get to her team and suddenly her team was growing again. It just meant she sold some shit. And that's what every network marketing company wants you to keep doing is always stay personally enrolling or personally selling so that your team copies you. But now the Higdon group notices you because they've already taught you how to share your results so that then it's a success story. So now you go into that same private Facebook group where you've paid $20 a month and a bunch of other people are in it. So you're getting cross reinforcement from companies all around. Now you feel like you're a part of an industry thing. You're not just in your little company representing your product, but all these companies are in one Facebook group. As you said, 65,000 people, you share your success. And then this is how Ray Higdon is actually plucking people. By Based on who gets results, now you get a cold call or a cold message saying, hey, do you want to be a part of the $100,000 inner circle? It's an elite group where you get private time with Ray. And you've already been watching his lives. You've already been getting his unique tweaks and coaching. And so imagine what could happen if you want to hit six figures and you get a rub shoulders with a millionaire who has figured out this system and it's only five grand. So it went from $20 to five grand within a very ship. But they're, what they're doing is they have a high sophisticated recruiting system that lets, the, lets their prospects emerge themselves based on your result, right? You did a great job of recapping that. And I can tell you just so understand MLM. It's so convoluted and difficult to understand for a lot of people, which is no fault of their own. It's it's that way on purpose, but well done. <laughs> well done. Yes. So I invest. Well, see, that's the language. That's so exactly. And they give you the investment because the investment is your yes. time and it's what successful people do, but it's also a tax write-off. So there's all these ways that we keep using the language investment. I get it. I spend $5,000 and I join the 100K inner circle. I quickly learned that the one-on-one -on -one time with Ray that I was promised was him going live in there once a month, which was weird because in Rank Makers, he went live every single day. And so it didn't really seem very, very special, except that it was less people. So I kind of explained that away, but that was a little weird to me. I thought I, thought I was going to be getting like these one-on-one -on -one Zooms with Ray. I was assigned a coach, but it was not Ray. And so, so you didn't even have circle time direct with Ray direct? No. Wow. He would go live once a month and 
like on Facebook Live, you could ask him a question, but that was very similar to rank makers. He also did something called free coaching Friday where you could do that. And that was free. He was already doing this in his free content. It was nothing different. In fact, it was more work. It was more courses, more indoctrination is really what it was. I did get assigned a coach and I'm really happy to say that that coach has since left and she's a dear friend of mine. And as we will get into, I was uh, Julie Anderson's coach, which is how we connected. Mm. So, but before I, before I get there, it wasn't really different, but working with my coach, she did help me get a bit more organized. So my follow-up was a bit more organized. So I did learn some like better customer service. You did get access to even more manipulative scripts and how to take people through your own pipeline. There was something called like the closing blueprint that you had access to where it was like, if the person says this, then say this. And by the end, you're basically coercing them into a yes. And at the time I thought, wow, this is, this is mind blowing. This is so useful. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to share this with my team. And now looking back, when I see that same blueprint laid out, it is a blueprint for coercive control and persuasion and manipulation, but it worked and I got more people to say yes. The other thing that happened was two months in to being a part of 100K Inner Circle was Arbonne's Global Training Conference, which is you know their large group awareness training that all these groups use where they launch new products. I've done pieces of content about this, but in Arbonne, they talked a lot about the number four. So you wanted to build four, build four legs of your business. So four direct people who were also moving up the ranks. The other way they use the number four is when I made my initial investment in product, they were like, you want four uh, skincare sets because those are like your four employees. So you're going to, you're going to give those four sets to people to borrow overnight, use on their skin. And you want to give them a full size set because it's so much nicer than samples. And we didn't get QV on samples, which means uplines didn't get QV on samples. So they literally convinced you to purchase four full size sets and pitched it like they were your employees. So that was already into me. So then when conference came around, they would say, you want to buy your four, 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 four. You want one set for personal use. So you can become a product of the product. One set to gift to friends and family and customers that you'd love to see on your team. A third set to sample and to use at your product presentations. And a fourth set for backup, because this is very limited edition and things are going to sell out and you don't want your customers to go find something somewhere else in the meantime. So my team and I, I bought four sets. 
Some people on my team bought four sets. And, but my volume, as you can imagine, like tripled. And I finally earn my Mercedes because everyone's buying more product. That month. That month. Yeah. But I have been working towards earning this Mercedes for four and a half years at this point. So it's and then to rank up. Yeah. And so (laughs) so many things. I'm like, wow, they said it was going to be a five year plan. I'm four and a half years in. (laughs) Look at this. I did it. Also, it's piggybacking off of Ray and Rank Makers and 100K Inner Circle. And I'm already indoctrinated to give all of the credit to my mentors. So I'm like, oh "Oh my gosh, it's because of Ray and Rank Makers. Um, So I earned my Mercedes. And when I say earn, I mean, I got locked into a three-year lease. I can talk a little bit about the car payment and everything, but I shared that success story with my coach who gave me a shout out in the 100K Inner Circle coaching group. And because of, you know, because I had hit such like a pinnacle level in the company, I was asked to become one of his coaches because I had now given proof that this program works. Absolutely. So the whole credit ends up in because you had, you know, these these times, right? You join the 100K and then this happens and then this other event happens, then your team grows. You're within that five Yeah, and I believed that. That's what I mean. It's all within the reinforced system and it's it's what they call like an enclosed belief system, right? And so all these years you've been primed and you've been, you know, prepared. I, I can literally go through my story and pinpoint similar pivot points that that I got reaffirmed at certain levels. Yeah, so keep going. So I promote to what's called regional vice president, which is where you earn the Mercedes. And from the moment that I joined, like I'd mentioned, I initially wanted to buy some skincare from my friend. Then before I knew it, I was urbanizing my home and I thought, oh, I could do this as a little bit of extra. But at some point I did begin to see myself driving that Mercedes. And that was really what I had worked toward, like, like in every group. Yeah, but and one I want thing- listeners to really hear that, you know, from the time you join a multi-level marketing company, there is a compensation plan and there's levels in which earnings increase or you hit kind of unlock a new payment zone. And the car is one of those le- levels. So almost every company has it, but it's, you know, written in there in different ways. But these are major milestones. So I really just want people to hear the monumentalness of what it means to hit a new rank, what it means to hit a new level, right? And to have that level of public recognition for having done that. Yes. My team completed region doing 60,000 in sales that month. So, which I say sales, but again, I, it's so important to point out that it's from personal purchases, my downline purchasing product with the belief, the false belief that they can resell it. But Arbon doesn't care if they can resell it. 
Right. Which, which is what makes it a one-time order. So meaning these are one-time monthly orders. So her, her business hit 60,000 that month, but how much of that is going to be repeat business? Exactly. Probably like 40, 45. I don't, I don't know what the numbers are in, in Arbon, but in general, this is, this is a part of the dopamine hit and what makes the manipulative psychological abuse so hard to notice within the multi-level marketing. And the higher up you go, the harder it is to, to notice because you've been told one thing to get to that level. But once you're in that level, the, the, the language slightly begins to change. And because you've been so indoctrinated to really believe your upline, to give the credit away, to be dedicated to the system, that's all you know how to stay reinforcing in, even though you do know you're a bit in cognitive dissonance because what they're telling you in this new meeting is different than what they told you to get into this meeting. Yeah. And they told not just me, but like at events, like this is so deep that when you get to the Mercedes level, you now have a business that's working for you. This is the level of residual income. And so no I like really feel like, oh my gosh, I did it. Like all my dreams are coming true. Like all this hard work, it's going to pay off. But in order to maintain region, you have to do 40,000 in sales. And so we did 60 because again, it was a GTC month and we completed and we did a bit more, but to maintain a region, a regional vice president is 40,000. And I'll kind of go into the car payment a little bit because people always ask, you do not get a free car. <laughs> the car is not free. You have to go to the Mercedes dealership get a, a Mercedes placed in your name. It has to be white in Arbonne. It has to be a white Mercedes and the lease is in your name and Arbonne pays $800 towards a car, towards your car, if you hit that $40,000. Meaning if you requalify. Exactly. Okay. So meaning you hit that one month and you earn the ability to get that car note, but you have to keep requalifying every month for them to actually pay the note. Exactly. So you're strongly encouraged to get the car because the other question I get asked is, well, because well, you get edified you... and they get to use your story as if their compensation yes. plan is working. Yes. But then so you're the... the one responsible for the lease, it sounds like. Yeah. So the other question I get asked is why, well, couldn't you just collect the 800 bucks? So if you hit 40,000, couldn't you just pocket the 800? No, it had, if you got the lease, the only way you could unlock the payment is if you showed proof of your lease in your name. Mm. So you go get the lease, you show it to Arbonne, you unlock your car bonus. You, you have to hit your quota. If you don't hit your quota, you are responsible for that payment. Yeah. So Wow. That's blowing my mind. I, I want to pause and have people really hear this. Um, you know, in the compensation plan I was in, we also got a car bonus, but one of the things that the, the owner sold was that what made our car bonus better was that a lot of companies like Mary Kay and Arbonne and all these other companies made you get into a lease of a car. And what they did was send you the check. So they just sent us the money for the car bonus at whatever we earned. So if it was a $200 a month car bonus, $400, 600, 800, based on where you qualified. 
So that is a better form of a compensation plan for a car bonus. I want everyone to hear that. But what's so manipulative about this that I want everyone to really hear is that when you're just a new social worker, I was a teacher coming into the industry and in you don't even know what it means to earn on any of these levels. So you're kind of like living a pipe dream and you really do trust and believe in the leaders that are telling you the truth. So when, whether it's the company and they're on stage telling you when you hit this level, you're going to have a sustainable business. This is what's going to happen. And you hear that enough. You become so blinders on to reach that level that when the, by the time you reach there, you're, you're in this like confused foggy state because it took so much to get there that you don't even realize that they've changed the language on you and that your check isn't reflective of a sustainable business where you could stop. Um, Even when I hit high level ranks where they had told me for years that you could stop, they were giving pressure to, to personally sell and personally enroll still. And I remember saying back, you said at this level, we could stop. So are you basically telling me we can never stop personally enrolling? And the answer is yes, obviously. But they don't want you to know that because that's the lifeblood of of them getting you to keep buying more product and recruiting more people. And in a system like that, when you make more money, you are just expected to spend more of it. Invest more, exactly. Yes, back into your business. So, you know, I went from maybe spending $250 a month to now, I mean, I was, I was buying so much and, and I was really wanting to hit that 40,000. So there's this, always this encouragement Mm. from uplines at the end of the month, like, and I, and I did another piece of content on this, where I actually show a text message from one of my uplines. That's like, your team is at 31,000 this month. You in order to qualify for a region again, you need 40,000, you know? And so, you know, just a friendly reminder, which is insinuating that- Buy some product, you buy some buy product, some product. online. So it basically, that's basically how in the industry we're encouraged to, um, to buy product within our downline so that we can make sure we make rank. So for instance, if you're at 35,000, right, you need five more thousand to get to your 40,000 mark. One of the justifications is you look at the income you're going to make, right? So if you're at that car note level, if you invest X amount more, you're earning that level more, but then quote the edification for hitting that level it's it's basically bolstering an illusion that you're earning more income than you are. And I remember buying so much product through my downline because of the pressure from my leader that I had to make sure to stay ranked in order to quote, speak at the next training in order to get any of the recognition that we get from our upline leaders. You have to make sure you hit that next uh, stay ranking. And I don't know if anyone still in multi-level marketing will listen to this, but one thing, one argument that I'll see on some of the anti-MLM content that I make is like, well, I'm so sorry that your upline treated you that way, or I'm so sorry your company was like that. You know, mine is different. And my upline, you know, she didn't, she didn't even have to say some of that. Like 
it, it's you are it's purchasing so into the ethos. Yeah, you are purchasing. I was so convinced that I was going to buy that product anyway. Me too. And Me I too. was also so I believed if you would have told me like she's she's manipulating you to buy product right now, I'd have been like, no, I would have bought it anyway. Why not buy it so then I can hit my car bonus, so then I can the get the eight hundred dollars, yeah. and also. I, there's this pressure that, um, you know, people, once you, people are going to be knocking down your door once you have the car to, to want to join you. So even though like everything happened so fast and I thought like, do I, I, I want the car. I really believed that even if I got stuck with this payment, at least I have this Mercedes, which is the social proof I need to have people, people will want to join me because they will see that I got to the car. If I can do it, so can you. Exactly. That your story sells and it's going to make you more money. And it, you know, it isn't just the uplines. I think that's such a really good point to pause on and to really hit home when, when this amount of psychological abuse takes place, it's really hard to see the forest for the trees. And one of the manipulative tactics that the industry has used worldwide is to make it a personal issue. So that personal issue can oftentimes be a direct upline issue. And it's really the whole industry because for so long, I justified so much as it just being a direct upline issue. And then, um, you know, that carried on and the company started to coach me. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, once you start realizing, wow, it's not just, then I made it think like, oh, maybe it was just my upline. Maybe it was just my company, but really it's, it's an industry-wide methodology and these tactics, that's why it's so important. We talk about it. And it's why it's so important that you're doing the work you're doing on Instagram and, and on social media, because when we can break down the tactics to really texturize and contextualize what's actually taking place. You telling your story of the three things that got you in the, in rake makers that helped you then, you know, make a few tweaks. Those things I know so well. Right. And then you have this next thing, the hundred K inner circle. Oh, I know that so well. There was that when I first joined. So you start to see that these are methodologies that are actually on wash and repeat since the seventies and different people like a Ray or an Eric or whoever these people are were in somebody's downline, looked around and realized, wow, this person's really making bank, but not because of these products. And they create these same systems and it's just, they're quote, literally duplicating the system and then they're teaching us and and we end up and because there's so much shame in in what it really means to have been taken up in a system like this a lot of us never tell our story a lot of us don't go and start breaking down the tactics or showing the text messages or showing the video trainings with the ray like julie's doing because there's so much shame around like, how did I stay in for eight years or 12 years or however long? My shame came in regard, and we can go further into this in a bit, but most of my shame came from how it affected my family, my kids Mm. and my husband. Um, 
you know, this is my, a lot of dedication. I mean, you are obviously yes. putting so much into your business. So how your husband and kids handled that, that is interesting. So that has made it a bit easier to speak out for myself personally. Now, every experience is different and it, it does take a lot, but it sort of feels like a reconciliation and an apology of some sort to like, why, why did I do this? And I I've said that you know, mm. the thing that you're told is your why, which was like my kids and creating a better future for them and being a more present mom was actually the thing that was being manipulated and used against me. Mm. Um, and, you know, in many of these scenarios, there is a spouse that is bankrolling this. And I, I was a social worker. <laughs> you don't get into social work for the money. So the lavish lifestyle of Arbon, the getting paid what you're worth, getting recognized, that all spoke to me. But I didn't have like this huge savings. I wasn't, I didn't come from someone who was like business savvy, making a lot of money already. So my husband did take a lot of the financial burden and responsibility. And because of that shame, um, luckily, because I know that this this uh, industry does break up a lot of marriages. Luckily, it didn't break up ours. And luckily my kids were young enough to where it didn't sabotage our, my relationship with them. But I think that has helped, you know, cause I still want to be an example for them and I still want to show up for our family in a positive way. And if I can help other people avoid maybe divorce or like not being present for their kids or missing out on moments or something because of MLM, believing that it's making them more present, I will do that. But it is difficult. Um, I, I want to go back real quick, just talking about the company and how, you know, it's not just the uplines, mm. because this is important. At the global training conference, Arbon would sell these new product sets. They were called I Want It All. And if you purchased an I Want It All set, which was all of the product, whether you used makeup or not, whether you used protein shakes or not. If you bought it all, you could do hashtag I want it all. And then you'd get like put into different cool drawings, but only if you got the whole set. So that's like another way that's like the company telling you, you want it all. You want all of this. And you helped me unlock a memory. I remember having mm -hmm. a consultant that was at the global training conference with us and being like, well, hey, um, if I buy the I want it all set. I'll give you the makeup. And I noticed that some of my team was like saying, Hey, well, I'll buy one set, but you can have the makeup because I don't use makeup and you can, we'll, we'll swap. And I remember an, like an uplines upline catching wind that my team was doing this. And I was a little annoyed. I'm not going to lie. And I probably said something that was like, well, why don't you just get the whole set? Because if you buy two, there's free shipping. That was another thing. So Arvon said, if you buy two, we'll give you free shipping. And in a couple months, when we launch this new skincare set, you're going to have early access. So see all the ways that you're making you, they're making you believe you need everything all at once. Like, and because it's a recruiting system, not a product system, I want people to hear that one of the biggest methodologies to get us to buy it, especially as a leader, is mm -hmm. lead by yes. example. So the only way you can really have a thriving team is if you lead by example, because they're going to do what you do, not what you say. 
And so it's such a big thing. So then as a leader, you do it. And if you do it and divvy it up, then other people are going to do it and divvy it up. So if you do it and buy it all, so you end up duplicating, quote, your thinking habits. And it's one of the ways these companies really manipulate you to buy more. Yep. And so that upline said to me, she said, doesn't your team know that you're striving to hit to complete region? Why would they not buy the whole kit? And so my striving to hit this goal was then manipulated on them. And I was fine with it. Like, I'm I'm not putting all the blame. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't want them to only buy, you know, sets and split them because then that's going to affect our volume. So then it was like, your leader has purchased four sets and it was positioned like, you know, you you promote as a team. This is a team effort. I'm the only one qualifying for a Mercedes here, but you actually helped me unlock that memory. I forgot that that happened. And then of course, everybody went from splitting product packs to they're all going to not only probably get their own, but they're going to get multiple packs and yeah, front loading is what it's called. And yeah. And then it helps you hit a rank, which then helps you kind of get the promotion and then get the recognition and then kind of use, and then your team gets to use your story as a way to recruit. And it's supposed to be this whole domino. Um, yeah, it's, it's so painful. So we, I am a regional vice president. I am asked to become a coach for 100K Inner Circle. And this again, felt like a dream. Like 2019 just felt like everything was culminating. I had placed on my vis- vision board, which is you know like a topic for a whole nother podcast. Uh-huh. I was creating vision boards on my vision board. I had myself speaking on stages. And as a coach, I was promised that I would, you know, be placed on Ray's event. Uh, I would be placed on stage at Ray's events. And also the fear of losing my region, because remember, I have to now strive to hit 40,000 every month. And oh, and I also want to share with people the jump. So I, prior to earning my Mercedes, my team was doing 10,000, like in order to hit 10,000 to 60,000. So my, well, to hit, to become an area manager in Arbon, which is the second level, which is the level that I hit in just a couple months, you have to do at least 10,000. But my team was doing like 20, 30, 40,000. So we were like a region, but like, like basically kind of almost doing region numbers, but never consistently. That should have been a big red flag. Like you're not ready to be a region. Um, but I want to show people the the jump in the rank. So yeah. in order to remain an area, I was just had to do 10,000. That was easy because of all the people I recruited. So now I go from having this like seemingly easy business to like, I, I have to like really this do or die again, <laughs> just like reaffirming it. Every so, 30 days, another do or die. And I, if I can't stress that enough, the beginning, the end of a month was always so stressful because you have to put in all the volume by X amount of, by midnight. And then the next day, you know, you have another 30 day goal and you're always striving in the next 30 days and you have to round up with your team and help your team make their goals. So you can kind of see what level you'll hit 
So here you go, reaching that 40,000. And I, I have a real fear about being able to maintain that. I have this lease with this Mercedes. I have to show up as a leader for my team. So when the offer to become one of Ray's coaches came to me, I thought, wow, this could be a, just another income stream. This is going to be really smart for me because I can get paid to coach. I'll have my Arbon business coming in and that'll kind of soften if I have a low month. So that seems like a like a smart thing to do financially. It was pitched to me that it would be on my own schedule. I would choose how many clients I get and but it wasn't like that. Mm. I was offered I would be paid $22 per coaching session. So every time that I would um coach with somebody, I was paid $22. Sometimes that was a half hour session. Sometimes that was an hour session. And I thought, wow, I could, you know, I could do, I could do a few of these a week and, and bring in, you know, a couple it's, it always starts off small. It's always like just a few extra hundred bucks a week. That would be great. And little did I know that, you know, I ended up, I was, it turned into like creating content for Ray, doing trainings in the group, answering all these client emails and always having to be ready for what the coaches were needed to do next. And sometimes when I say this, I feel so dramatic for saying it, but in the vow with Nexium and Keith Ranieri, the DOS group has to do these readiness drills where it's like this master slave relationship. And if you're familiar with it, you know, like these women had to be ready on their phone at all times when their master texted them. Right. That is when that whole part of the vow was explained. I had like an aha moment in my healing. I was like, that is exactly how it felt working for Ray, except we were not paid an hourly rate rate. So 24 seven, I mean, I guess, except when I was sleeping, but from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed, I was on my phone checking all these coaches threads, Arbon threads, Ray threads, like emails, the, the groups, like we were basically primed to become little mini versions of Ray. So we constantly, we had to continue to watch all his videos and then regurgitate the information back to our coaches and basically just like point them to more and more trainings. And that's what our role became as a coach. Like here with my social work background, I think I'm going to get to mentor people. I'm going to get to point them to resources and tools. Like that's basically what social work is. That is not what ended up happening. And you're getting paid only when you have a coaching session. So you're getting that $22 for a 30 or an hour session. Um, but all of the other 24 seven time that you have to be on call and kind of on alert and be ready is unpaid, a part of the coaching network of race. Correct. Yeah. And it's that always on mentality. Can't turn your phone off. Just that, that, you know, leaders are 10 minutes early kind of stuff. Yeah. And the other thing is we were expected to come 
every month, actually every week with Mm. success stories. So Mm. we would have, we had a monthly meeting with Ray. That's why I initially said every month, but we had a weekly coaches meeting. And at that coaches meeting, we were expected to come with success stories. So even if you started off with, oh, I still have to work my MLM and I'm, I'm raising a family and I work another job on top of this. You're like, oh, I'm only going to do a few clients every week and it'll just be a little bit of extra. But in order to get success stories, it's a numbers game, right? Like that's drilled into you. So you're like, I need to coach a lot of people so that I can come with a success story. So when my five clients, maybe I had sort of a little success story. I'm like, I'll coach 10. And then 10 became 20 and then 20 became like 30. And then before I know it, I've completely like, I'm not really doing Arbon anymore. And my Arbon business is just dwindling and I'm just coaching. And it feels a little bit more stable because it's like a little bit more of an income. Like because you're getting consistent income from the, from the people, from the $22 hourly rate, but not in comparison to the amount of hours you have to dedicate to growing his system. Exactly. And it became a a little bit competitive. You mean competitive (laughs) Um, among the coaches? coaches. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how we had to come and you know, there's so much hyperbole in MLM already that you're, you might have a client and I take, I take responsibility for this, but you might have a client who signed up three new partners, but maybe they started with, um, zero. Okay. So, but the marketing, you would come to Ray with that story of, or he would help you change it instead of saying, Oh, I have a coaching client that signed up three new, recruited three customers. You would say, I had a, I had a, a, a client triple her customer base. Interesting. Oh my God. That's so, so that's so manipulative. So yeah, he's actually, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm still a little, uh, <laughs> struck. I'm struck by the transition. So oh, here thank he you for this- being struck. <laughs> It's actually healing. <laughs> I take it all the way in because the 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 web of psychosis and manipulation that I'm t- taking in it, it takes my 12 years and it it just for me it feels like a hyper speed version. Okay, meaning like what's what happens as you add technology, as you get better manipulators to take old models into a new model. That's what it feels like. So you're telling me you went from the $20 a month, be a part of the free Ray monthly thing, the Fridays, the blah, blah, blah. It's basically, it's a Facebook group. Okay. And then it goes from that to being plucked and recruited by his special team that basically offers the hundred K circle. That's a five grand investment from there. You get plucked to be a part of the coaching team, which is an elite. And again, this is after Pivotal moments of success in her actual multi-level marketing business, which isn't really a business. It's also a lie. So we're talking about deceit wrapped into deceit, wrapped into deceit, but never mind you, we'll come back to that. Um, but the Ray Higdon group then plucks the success. And then before you know it, you're getting paid $22 an hour, went from taking on a couple of extra clients uh, to coach and support others because that's one of the things that a lot of us come into multi-level marketing wanting to do anyway is helping others. Um, And now you end up take 10 
all these extra clients because he's created an inner circle system that pits the coaches against each other with his time and attention. So by who he places his attention on, who he edifies or ignores, all of these masterful tips that are very, very deeply rooted in manipulative, coercive tactics uh, called gaslighting and narcissism. And these, I'm guessing, this is what I'm hearing in this little leadership group of the coaches here, he's using tactics to get you, you all striving against each other, which means you're working harder. And then you don't even really notice your actual Arbon business dwindling because you're so committed to the, to growing the, the Higdon group. Yes. I have to pause for a moment because and you're getting again, recognition. You're getting recognition as a coach. You're getting recognition from one of your mentors. You know, there's all these symbolisms that are built in. And I really, the level of manipulation here, folks, it's so twisted that you don't even know what happened to you. And oftentimes it takes years to even untwist the twisted. So it's just okay to not fully hear it or to hear my synopsis and have it just be like, oh, damn. You're doing such a great job of explaining what seems unexplainable because I didn't even realize it was happening as it was happening. So it's like piecing it together again on this end. And I haven't even been out a year but you did it. You did a great job because that's, that is what it felt like. And in these meetings with him, which happened once a month and they were constantly changed. It was like, Oh, we're going to meet with Ray the second Tuesday. Oh, now he's busy, you know, cause he's always just so busy and so powerful. And, you know, his time is so valuable. It's like, Oh, never mind. It's going to be now next Wednesday. And so that happened a lot as well. Or, Which is a psychological manipulation, folks, because what you've done is you've trained us to be very dedicated, to put these things in our calendar, to revolve things around certain things. This is a part of the success habits that she's been trained to do over X amount of years. And then whimsically, they change it because he's so important. And so people like her or me will do everything to flip the script and be available because leaders are who they hang out with. And you don't want to miss a meeting with a millionaire. And it felt like such a lost opportunity or if you, if you missed, if you had to miss, even if you had like a coaching call or you were doing something for the Higdon group. Yeah. And And I also want to correct you because you had said $22 an hour. It was not an hour. It was just Every time I had a session, good call, $22 per coaching session. Also, I want people to hear that this is the same investment that somebody's paid $5,000 to quote, get personal time with Ray, but they don't get personal time with Ray. They get a coach and she's now one of those coaches getting paid the $22 per session. So of the $5,000 investment, notice how he only drips $22 per session and he extracts time, attention, and labor of these coaches to be dedicated to quote, make videos, to show up, to share success stories, which are all promoting his system by their, them bringing their stories. It's promoting his system, which gets people to pay more $5,000 investments, which they only get $22 of. They're not getting more money based on how many people are investing the five grand. Do you want me to blow your mind? 5,000 was the low end. There were people paying 
7,500, 10,000. I actually worked with a couple people in real estate of which I have no background. Okay. But I, at this point, I'm like a mindset coach because that's kind of what we became because we became little mini rays. Um, There were these people in real estate that were, look. I don't know if Ray made a deal with them or what, but I had caught wind that they invested a much larger chunk of money upwards of like 20,000. And I'm working with them still getting $22 per session. It's insane. Whereas somebody you got get, paid more. Yeah. Somebody's getting paid and it, it, he's probably doing a larger recruit for the person who closes the sale maybe, but um, that stuff's just blowing my mind. And like, that person wow. got totally scammed. That's the other thing I want to point out is I had no background in real estate. I had no, they, there's no, they're getting scammed. Oh God, I got to just, I got to pull the lens back. This is reminding me of my latter years in the industry. Um, this is around 2011. And there was a guy promoting a money mindset uh, training called T Harvecker. And so this goes to, to show the manipulative tactics of the self-development industry in cahoots with the MLM industry, because when you are in the industry long enough and you've plateaued and you're not making enough money, you do, you think, okay, it's my mindset. So let me go to something outside. Let me get some training. And then in that training, one of the ways that he was in, what T. Harvecker did was if you invested at X level, you got yourself one of his special money mindset coaches. And that's, what's reminding me of what you're saying right now is whether you're in the real estate industry or you're in multi-level or whatever, you know, you now are getting a coach that may or may not have the skill sets of making any money to help you in these areas. They just are in the title of money mindset coach within somebody else's system. Absolutely. Now, I think puke in my mouth, let's just, let's just all puke publicly together for a moment. Just pause for the self-development industry. (laughs) Emoji puke, emoji puke. Okay. So gosh, there's so many places I could take this. Number one, so my my Arbon business is dwindling at this point. And I am, you know, again told that I'm I'm kind of becoming like the black sheep of the Arbon team because I'm doing so much more for Ray than I am for the Arbon mission. You know what I mean? And but I'm guessing so, he's also got you envisioning yourself as a leader throughout the industry, like a yeah. public speaker. So by this time he's taken these coaches and he's kind of set their mindset at a much higher thing. Because if you're in the industry long enough, you realize, wow, there are top leaders in all these companies and they all start to get into cahoots. Cause a lot of them have switched companies so many times and started self-development groups so many times they're all friends, but you don't know that you think that, that you can strive and become one of them still. Um, anyway, I'm just bringing that up because the, the striving for that next level, it's very easy to pivot in network marketing and to start pivot to have your goal be, I'm a mindset coach, or I'm a coach in the industry, or uh, bigger than the company. So I'm guessing he got the vision out of you of just your company into the vision of who you could become as a six-figure speaker and leader worldwide. He did that. 
because the next level was he was going to, he put out a call to action for a speaking team. He positioned it that he was getting so many offers to speak across all these company stages that he needed a speaking team. So he asked his coaches and some other like people who were like plucked out of different groups, whether it was like his reality show that he did, which I didn't have direct and a direct experience with. So, but if you, he also has a reality show that can be viewed on YouTube called play to win. If you really want, you have the stomach for his like live, like manipulation. Um, and Julie Anderson has done content on that as well. So he puts out this call to action for the speaking team of these people. We have to submit a video of sharing like our success story, how the Higdon group has helped us and how we will continue to help the Higdon group. And I was chosen for that. And we had to go through this six week workshop. I think it was. And notice how the buy-in was how you can help the Higdon group and how it can help you, right? That you literally have to make a case for yourself on how you're going to continue effortlessly and boundlessly promote the Higdon group. And it was sold that Ray's mission was he was going to help a small group of speakers get to a million dollars. So do you see how I went from someone who like wanted a Mercedes to then wanted to get six, like actually wanted to make, wanted a skincare set to wanted to make a little bit of extra to wanted to replace my social work income and quit my job to wanting to drive a Mercedes to wanting to make a six figure income in the 100 K Higdon group inner circle to now wanting to become a millionaire, but I'm actually not tangibly making any progress towards these big, huge, audacious delusions of grandeur. Mm. But in my mind, I am because I'm continuing to spend money. That is the mind fuck. Can I say fuck? (laughs) That is the mind fuck. It really is a fuckery. So I make it on the speaking team. I go through this workshop and then the pandemic hits. And Ray is like, oh, you know, if it wasn't, you know, kind of like he positioned it to us that he would have helped us become millionaires if not for the pandemic. But just to build our experience, he is going to have us start doing his daily live videos in Rank Makers. So a lot of these people are coaches who are already doing trainings in his 100K inner circle. So now we're expected to sign up and now start doing his Ray daily videos to help us practice and become better speakers. Allegedly, in my opinion, there was never any plan for us to go speak on company stages in his place. Like he wants to be on those stages. He wants, I think the entire time, I think the entire time he wanted a group of people to do his daily live videos. And that's all we were being primed for. Mm, So mm. I'm so uh, sick because (laughs) keep in mind, you know, this is one of the main feeds, right? That initial, the initial gateway entrance is that $20, $25 Facebook group where there's the daily lives and the free Friday thing. And 
you know, there has to be, it's a numbers game. So there has to be X amount coming into that numbers in order for there to be X that goes, you know, gets offered the hundred K inner circle with Ray, which isn't really with Ray, you know, it's with one of the coaches. And so, you know, there's tiers in which people get to get plucked. And then here he plucked the leadership coaching group uh, coaches to be a part of the speakers. But really what he's doing is he's just getting more dedication and free labor. And now you're taking over those daily, li- those, those, those lives daily. Yeah. Because he, he continued to speak on company stages, despite there being a pandemic or not. Um, there was tons of virtual events that he, or he would be on zoom or they would do, you know, like, Tony Robbins went virtual during this time. And there was like a company that was running all these virtual events for all these self-help gurus. He continued to speak on these stages. So if it was really about helping this elite group get to a million dollars, why didn't he have us then do those events for him. I, I, mm-hmm. I truly believe it was never about that. Absolutely. And it's just another way that the carrot is moved to get you to strive for the next level and the next thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then it gets taken away. It's a, it's a form of gaslighting, right? It gets taken away and you, then you wonder what's wrong and you have to reshow your dedication, the commitment to the, the vision. Meanwhile, he's still doing those high level talks and getting paid for it. Yeah. And we didn't get paid to go through that six week workshop. That was all unpaid. Also, that was just like a commitment that we made to, to become one of his elite members of the speaking team. We also had to work on a speech, record it, perform it, perform it for each other, record it and send it to Ray. So he could give us feedback And his feedback was constantly to me that I ramble and that I need to be more concise. And it was never anything good. In the three years that I worked for him, I look back and the only compliments he ever gave were like, you're such a rock star or hey, rock star or um, hey, all star. They were just like empty, you know, those empty things. It was never like, Wow. Jennifer is so good at creating trainings on follow-up. It was net. There was never anything like that. Nothing personalized or unique. There were several coaches who created fantastic trainings. One in particular was about follow-up and how to create your own follow-up binder and be cut. And so many people thought that training was so great. I mean, you have to realize everyone's in a pyramid scheme, so it's all <laughs> futile, but they really believe they really love the training. Well, because it didn't promote, because it promoted people using their own binders and not promoted his 90 day journal that he sold in his swag shop, that training was taken down. Wow. That was actually a, a chink in the armor where I thought, this, how is, I thought this was about helping people. People love that training. Why are we taking it down? So it had to be redone. And instead of a binder, that person had to train on how to use his journal. Unbelievable. Oh God. It's just like a (laughs) self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, he's getting basically again, free labor of dedicated, hardworking people working in the illusion that you're building something for or towards something for yourself and your own sustainability. And you're really just building his own brand and his own 
his company and he's reaping all the profits. And when he tells that coach, oh, you have to take that training down because it's not using my 90 day journal. You feel like shit about yourself. You're like, what did I do wrong? Oh my God, I did something to disappoint the le- the leader, the guru. Yeah. And it, it, it feels awful. You feel like, oh wait, I, I thought I was doing something good here. And your concept of good and bad and like the guidelines of what warped. you should and shouldn't be doing are so warped that mm-hmm. I heard it explained by Daniel Barbin Levin in his book, Slonem Woods Nine, which is he is one of the survivors of the Sarah Lawrence cult. Mm. I heard it. I heard him describe this this way, what it's like being in a cult. He said, it's like being in a maze where you know that there is an ending, an end that you are working your way towards. And the but the walls are invisible. And so you feel free. You feel like you're being guided through this maze and you know which way to go. But every time you hit a wall, there's like an electric shock. And so you you think you're going the right way, but then you get shocked. And so so you either like try to go back to where you came from, but you realize you're like you're so deep in the maze that you can't get out. I mean, I'm not saying it as poetic as he did, but. I res that resonated so much with me because it was like you knew that there was an end of a maze and you're like if I could just work my way through this maze and it's like it's not a tunnel like I can look up and see the blue sky in this maze I can the walls are invisible I can I can you know it's like a window it, it feels open it, I don't feel like I'm caged in but yet every time I make a wrong move, I get a shock and I don't know which direction to go. It's very discombobulating. And it, it, I like it to being in a, an abusive relationship. It's really important that people feel and, and see the coercive control bite model by Stephen Hassan. Because when your thoughts and your behaviors and your ideas and your um, your thinking is controlled, when you are, when you get attention and you get acknowledgement, it's so meaningful. But when you're ignored by that same person, it's so devastating. And then when that same tactic is used within a group setting, there's a form of public shaming that happens that reinforces this inner loop. It's it's a part of the control, coercive control tactics. And so it's important to know it's not your fault. It's not unique to that leader. It's not unique to your upline. It's not unique to your company. These are absolutely manipulative, psychological, abusive techniques that we do get pulled into because these are cult tactics or high demand group tactics and tyranny tactics, you know, totalitarian tactics. Um, So you're very, very right. I'm hearing you on that. So let's get into the pandemic, shall we? <laughs> oh my God. Oh. So, so I kind oh. of mentioned how Ray had already used the pandemic for like why the speaking team wasn't on his stages, but the the pandemic hits and 
by the end of the month, Arbon, let's we'll we'll go to Arbon a little bit for a second. Arbon, along with about 30 other companies, gets hit with like this lawsuit from the FTC and they're getting investigated by the FTC regarding false health and income claims. What year was that? March 2020. This is all started 2020. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So in conjunction with COVID-19, there were a ton of MLM companies that were making false health and income claims, like preying on people who had lost their jobs and on like, hey, take our immunity booster and it'll keep you from getting COVID, those kinds of things. So tons of companies were guilty of this. They were being investigated. A huge crack that started with Arbon was at this moment because Arbon took zero accountability. They instead upline leaders blamed like people at lower levels and they shamed distributors. And it was also like everybody were being unfairly targeted and attacked by the FTC. Like the devil is out to get us. And we don't know why this is happening, but just go and delete all your old posts. And uplines would like deny that they ever condoned like making these sorts of claims when most of the time you're copying what your upline does. And then Arbonne, again, I'm not putting it just on the upline. All Arbonne did was they came out with new compliant vocabulary And I kid you not, and I've done content about this on my Instagram and my TikTok, so hopefully people can go there and see it. But so like, instead of saying, you know, we couldn't say recruiting anymore, we had to say enrolling, like instead of saying financial freedom, we now had to say financial opportunity. And so it, it was not a solution. It wasn't like, it was just more changing the lingo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was more, in my opinion, more deceptive because yeah. the 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 what was actually happening didn't change. You are recruiting. You just don't say you're recruiting. Right. Right. So you instead of the, the language, and then it's because the FTC is making those things, and so we have to be careful because these laws don't make sense. Yeah, and Arbon would say. Arbonne and, and the upline like would say, you know, yeah, it, it is recruiting, but we're, we just can't call it recruiting. Exactly. So that was like a big red flag for me. I, it pissed me right off. And I'm like, this, this is, this is horrible how Arbonne is. And I, again, I'm thinking this is an Arbonne problem, not right. like an industry problem or a coaching problem. So I, I slowly, I mean, my business is already dwindling at this point a bit too. And I'm so entrenched in the Ray universe that I, I also am like, I'm going to just take a step back from Arbon, Okay. Yeah. And so Ray then shortly thereafter launches his quarantine business blueprint, I'm which so is disgusted by the name, the quarantine yeah. business blueprint. <laughs> which is a course that he sold on how to recruit how to recruit people during a pandemic and basically how to take advantage of emotionally manipulate them and take advantage of their vulnerability during that time wow and it, i wish i could say that it was the actual course that started to wake me up it did a little bit it felt really weird but i just 
figured he's a millionaire. He knows what he's doing. He's had all this success. I've got to listen to him. It was actually, it wasn't until other people began questioning his scripts and, you know, letting him know like how insensitive it felt. Cause this is also during like the black lives matter movement. And he, his response was to just lose his shit in the group. And like pound, when I say lose his shit, I mean, he's like screaming and yelling and he's doing videos saying like, you have a better solution. You want to, you know, you want to critique my scripts. You, you know, there are millions of people who've lost their jobs and you're worried about so- trying to sound insensitive. Um, and you don't, you know, like basically you don't care about people's livelihood and putting it back on, like, it couldn't possibly be him. And the fact that he's in, in manipulating people to make a sale, mm-hmm. it's all you and your mindset. And if you're questioning this, then we don't need you. And during that time, there was kind of a, a, a exodus, a mass exodus out of our, uh, not out of our bond, out of rank makers because people didn't feel right about that. But I stayed in. When we say and, mass exodus, it sounded like it was like 16,000 and it went down to like 13,000, something of that nature. Yeah. So I, a good 3000 left. And then there's still a whole bunch of other folks, but you stay through it, but you're starting to get your, your bubble popped a little bit. You're obviously starting to notice some things. Yeah. Abs- I was absolutely starting to notice some things, but I was still in the like, explain it away, gaslight myself sort of phase. Yeah. And during the pandemic, like, especially during like the first, we'll say like three months of the pandemic, when a lot of people had lost jobs, a lot of people were recruited into MLM, unfortunately, and they were then recruited into MLM coaching programs and raise programs were no exception. So as a coach, we actually got a lot more clients and I had all these new clients and, but yet they were really struggling and like they could just not make their, make MLM work. And I'm like, still not I hadn't realized it was a pyramid scheme at this point. So I'm like trying everything. Like my clients are doing all the things that I did to create success. Like they're doing those live videos and the cold messaging and they're tracking their stuff and everything. And I'm like, what, what is it? So in one of the coaches meetings, when I bring it up to Ray, that like people are struggling, it's put back on me that, you know, maybe I'm not growing. Mm. And maybe we're not growing as coaches. And he goes off on some spiel about how, thank God he invested $100,000 in Grant Cardone's coaching because he was able to up level. And like, you kind of walked away from that meeting with, I'm a piece of crap and I need to invest in another coach or I need to invest in more of Ray's coaching to become a better coach. Except I interpreted that as I'm going to become the very best coach I can be. So who is the absolute best business coach out there but Tony Robbins? Why? Tony Robbins, of course. Yeah. So I'm like, all these other people, they can keep learning from Ray and they can go all in on Ray. But I, I'm going to like, I wasn't like, I'm going to show them, but I'm like, I got to, I got to get the best. 
And let's go ahead and, and pause there for a second and just say, Tony Robbins has been at this a long time, right? We're talking about since the eighties and he's really perfected his model of training. And I also did unleash the power within with my sales team. When we first left my upline sales training system, because I was trying to get my footing back to, to stay in the game of the industry, but not be coached by somebody that was manipulative. So, you know, to, to, lean us into you decide your solution to being yelled at by Ray is to go seek better coaching. So who's the best coach? Tony Robbins. Paint us the picture of the model because Unleash the Power Within is kind of the entry point in. And then he has several other higher rank levels. And it sounds like you went all in on this too. So I'd like to hear that and got your husband in on this. I started like all of these things. I, I believed I was starting small. I didn't just, I mean, you know, there's that like adage of like, we all believe we're joining a good thing. And if like on the first day, Ray would have said, you know, I'm going to not pay you an hourly wage and um, I'm going to shame you in front of all your colleagues. Like I never would have <laughs> said yes to coaching. Right. So I did the same thing with Tony Robbins. Like I believed I was starting like dipping my toe in and like I did unleash the power within and I loved it. I, it was virtual. I actually did it with my kids and it was fun. Like we were dancing around. There was like this music and it was all about having this massive breakthrough and it's like 12 hour days and sleep deprived, but it feels so good. You you believe that you're getting these results. And at the end, you are pitched his ultimate mastery program and you're shown all these success stories. And I, I, I knew like this pitch because Ray did the same thing. And as a coach, we were even taught these kind of tactics, but I'm like, I can bring all of this back to my clients and my clients are going to be winning and I'm going to be noticed and I'm just going to continue to grow. And actually at this point, I'm thinking I could even start my own coaching business because like everyone who goes through Tony Robbins coaching programs just ends up becoming a coach themselves. And it's just like, they, maybe they, they went to it because like their company sent them there to become a better employee or something, but I swear everybody comes out and they like start a coaching business. And so I had thought like a lot of people there were coaches themselves. And I thought, well, maybe I could go off on my own and, you know, start charging $5,000 like Ray, you know, these people are working with me and they're paying Ray 5,000. I'm not making that 5,000. So that was kind of my mindset behind it. And so when his ultimate mastery program uh, cost $15,000. I thought, well, I can become my own coach, charge just three clients. If I just got three clients and charge them five grand, there's my 15,000. And maybe that was slimy of me to think, but. Um, well, no, because that's <laughs> how the numbers teach us. Like they've taught yeah. you how to think in that model. And it's also about, um, you knowing your value, you knowing your worth. And there's all these kind mm -hmm. of built-in things around. If you just do the necessary steps, it's not that hard to get those three clients. And then you hear the success stories of somebody getting clients and blah, blah, blah. And so doing that kind of mathematics isn't mental gymnastics for you. It's very much a part of the methodology that you've been trained in. 
And just in case like your listeners haven't noticed a theme, I like I'm the oldest of four daughters and I kind of always had that overachiever like personality, the oldest sibling kind of thing. Like, and so I'm like, I'm going to go all in. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to be the overachiever. I'm going to go all in. And so I I wasn't just going to do the next course. I was going to do everything. And And you could go ahead, go ahead. So I was going to say, and you could do it over three years, but I'm like, I don't have that time. I'm going to do it in a year. So let's discuss that. So the Unleash the Power Within, what is that initial investment? A couple thousand bucks? No, uh, like I think at that time it was like, I think it was, I think I got it for 250. Okay, but that's because it's online. I think the in-person one was something around 500 bucks or something. And just so that everybody gets it, you know, Tony Robbins would have the big kind of two and a half day event. And this Unleash the Power Within is the one where you walk on on coals. So when it was in person, this is kind of the hoopla. You obviously did the online version. And then it's, again, there's always an entry point. And then he sells the, what is it called? Mastery? It's called... Tony Robbins Ultimate Mastery University. Ultimate Mastery University. And it includes a number of him his programs, including the one where you go to the island. So because we were in a pandemic, that one was still virtual. But you could put it off and go to Fiji for life mastery. Got it. So he it's basically a, a bunch of different programs within you have three years to take the take them or you could take them all within a year. And your overachiever mindset was like, I don't have time. I got people to help. We're going to go ahead and cram all this in within the year. (laughs) Yes. And because it's online, you don't have to fly different places. You actually kind of get the advantage of being able to just consume the information and the comfort of your own home. Mm -hmm. You can get better right from your couch. So this is November, 2020. So date with destiny was already starting was in two weeks in December, 2020 and December, you know, is already crazy for people being December. And, but I'm like, it's, it's six days. Okay. I don't think people understand like it's six whole days and typically people travel to attend this for six days in the month of December. It's, it's so difficult to put away six days in the month of December, like no matter what you're doing. And so I'm like, Oh, but this is virtual. I'll be able to do that. And so I hold myself up for six days in my own house. Um, it, it runs early in the morning to late at night. And I barely saw my family, like I put so much responsibility on my husband, like looking back and it's just, I don't know how to describe it except for they break you down under the guise that you're creating this new identity. And this all felt like really good. I needed to create like a new identity. I I believed that. But what I really needed to do was get out of multi-level marketing (laughs) because my identity was already breaking down and it was incredibly intense and emotional. And that actually felt really good. Like I was, instead of this, like, put your head down and do the work kind of mentality that I'd always had, I actually was getting in touch with emotions and 
what I thought was like working through trauma, but like, he's not a therapist. I don't even know if there were actual therapists there, but it, I have to say it felt like growth. Mm. It felt that way. And then there's this entire day devoted to relationships that goes all through this whole toxic masculinity and femininity that actually was a bit of a red flag for me. And I had my husband do that day with me and my husband, he, Derek, he did not want to do it, but he did it for me. Do you want me to get into like what it, what it was? I don't, I don't know. Well, I don't know how much of the details you want to get into, but I would like to hear his response. Um, and I have a couple of things I'll add in on the Tony Robbins synopsis. My, you mean my husband's response? Mm-hmm. He just, he's kind of just like a go with the flow kind of guy. And he, ju- he did it because I wanted him to do it, but he didn't like it at all. He thought it was, he didn't agree with it. Okay. He thought it, I think he thought it was invasive and weird and probably culty though. He didn't use those words. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm curious about the response. Um, one of the things that stood out about when I read about your your uh, time in Tony Robbins was that this is the first time you had done a profit and loss statement. And so one of the things that stood out to me about Tony Robbins in general, even though I could see that he himself had his own marketing pipeline, I didn't go and invest more in, and I did, really encouraged my team not to invest more than we had initially done. Um, by this time, I was kind of quite alert to, to some of the tactics, um, but not fully because I really did have a buy-in with Tony Robbins. So I guess I'm wanting to pause on that for a second to say kind of your overall response on, on feeling like you were actually growing, having a lethargic experience, pausing, crying. He also talks about wellness in a much more holistic approach. So for lack of a better word, instead of just having financial goals like they taught us in MLM, um, and my perception of Tony Robbins, at least at that initial stage, stages, is that he was actually teaching a more holistic, rounded sense of what success is. So he had, you know, what are your health goals? What are your relationship goals? What are your giving back goals? And Emma Lim did those kinds of things in verbiage, but they never actually taught any strategy to any of those other areas of life, where I feel like Tony Robbins actually in his trainings, took experts from all these different areas and did genuinely, in some fashion, teach some concepts around how to set goals around health, how to set goals around finances, how to set goals in relationships. So at least you had the perception of wholeness and a lethargic experience that you're growing. And I'm guessing the further in, the more and more manipulative it becomes. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Because when I look back at my experience with Tony Robbins, and I know there are just like different opinions about him it's, it's, I'm, I'm, it's positive because I felt like it it contributed to my growth. It also helped me wake up from a lot of MLM stuff because of the profit and loss and everything. But can I see how it could be become manipulative or how you know, he, there's victim blaming and shaming, like, absolutely. And I am not going to deny those people's experience with Tony Robbins. But had I not done some of that, like I, I do believe I learned 
some things about business, about a holistic approach to certain things, like you're saying. And one of those is during business mastery, which I did in March of 2021, the very first day we are told to keep a profit and loss statement. And my only business at the time was my MLM. And I realized I'm not making the money that I thought I was because, you know, he had you writing, writing down or the person training, it actually wasn't him. It was an expert. The person training was like everything that is, is an expense money going out. So for the first time I'm like, okay, tickets to my company conference. Okay. That, that trip I earned with Arbonne wasn't totally free. I had to pay for the flight um, the meals of the, the cup of coffee that I bought that prospect at the coffee shop, my mileage, like all of these things that like, I thought I was keeping track of for my taxes, but like some of it was, and they were talking about how like products for your own personal use. And, and I, for the first time just had, had a really clear picture that if anything, I was making a lot less or breaking even. Mm-hmm. And also during that month, a friend of mine, Julie Anderson, had been targeted by Ray. Hmm. She had grown on TikTok and Ray was kind of against TikTok until he realized like he could capitalize on it and monetize and, you know, use it for his own personal gain. But he didn't want people going on TikTok because there was a huge anti-MLM movement on TikTok. So he did all, he tried every tactic to get people away from TikTok. And Julie Anderson, who was like a huge supporter of Ray and one of my former coaching clients was growing massively on TikTok. And Ray would do videos like making fun of her. Oh, anyone on TikTok ding dong, he would call it. And I was still in communication with Julie because I consider her a friend. She was like a former coaching client. She's really great at creating content. If anyone, any of your listeners follow her, like you, she's got this just like fun energy about her that is like very attractive. So of course I was like still talking to her. So like I would myself and some of the others in the, in rank makers would tell her like that Ray was making these videos about her and she got out and she started to step away. And um, I just thought it was really like poor taste the way he was treating her. Like, why was he doing this to somebody just because they weren't following what he was saying? So it was like another weird moment of cognitive dissonance I had because I knew that Julie was like a really great person. And she was like such a like such a huge part of rank makers and did so much proselytizing so for him. Yeah. yeah she was so, so dedicated. Yeah. So for him to and pivot she on won, her. She yeah. won like every one of his 14 day video challenges. And yeah, it, it was yeah. crazy. I, I want to point out that this is a technique that, that leaders like Ray use. Um, and it, it started happening to me, the more inner circle I got, the more I would witness him, um, cut down other people 
uh, and I was so confused. I remember being like, all these years, you've taught me that we need to edify each other because we can't build each other up if we don't build each other up. And now he's cutting these people down. And then in meetings, he would always pick one or two people. And I never really understood it. It, it would be years later that um, I was told to read The Art of War and The 48 Laws of Power or whatever. And that these are actual tactic used to psychologically manipulate and control your leaders. And so like, these are real things that the more, just like studying cultic things, the more we learn better language to describe what these things are, we can call it for what it is. Oh, that's narcissism. Oh, that's gaslighting. Oh, that's this. But when you're in it, you really have no idea. So I, I'm, I'm with you on the foggy, hazy space of what the hell is going on. And you recognize your friend being publicly shamed and you're like, why are you going to go through all that effort to put somebody down who, and your mind starts racing, wondering why, but you still stay in. Yeah. And I, I wish I would have, I wish I would have seen it a bit more, but thank So thank you for saying that. But yeah, I mean, I was, this is like my income at this point and I'm like sort of stuck, I, but I am beginning to question. And this is really where things with the Higney group. So things with Arbon were already like, I'm already away from that, but it's May 2021, I had just graduated from Tony Robbins Master University. So I completed Unleash the Power Within, Date with Destiny, Life Mastery, Business Mastery, and Wealth Mastery. All in that time. Yes. I'm exhausted listening to you. Yeah. So actually, it ended up being six months. <laughs> so it was just, I did Unleash the Power Within in November. And by May, <laughs> I had graduated. Wow. So it, it's insane. It's like a, it's like I entered a time warp. I, I don't. Yeah. Yep. So, and really this is like where your hear, mind is. Yeah. This is what happens in network marketing. Like I literally understand the time warp. And when I reflect back now, it's taken me a long time of doing nothing to be able to actually get a sense of, of real time because of how much time work, like what you can accomplish within a 24 hour period of time, the way that you're taught to, to segment your life within those seven days, 14 days, 30 days, and all the ways in which you're organizing and using time to control it. So basically that you can define results and it's such a fuckery because you don't realize that the thing that you're leaving out is your own well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I graduate from Tony Robbins and I tell one of the head coaches in 100K Inner Circle. And I feel like really proud. Like I made this $15,000 investment to become like a better coach for Ray. And I am told that I am not allowed to promote that I am, I've gone through Tony's programs on any of my pages because Tony is considered one of Ray's biggest competitors. Like the audacity to really believe that because like Ray is so far from Tony Robbins, like in his delusional world, he's one of his competitors, but he is not, but I was shamed. Essentially I was shamed. And I think looking back, you know, I think they were fearful. I was going to leave them for like Tony's pro programs Absolutely. and I did leave them, but not luckily not for Tony's programs, but, um, I did ask for a raise at that time. And I, I used my certification with Tony as like leverage. I will say that 
even though I couldn't promote it, I couldn't tell anybody, but I was like, Hey, I went, at least I got this certification. So then when they gave me a $2 raise, I'm like, okay, it makes it better. (laughs) It's just, it's crazy. Meanwhile, they're still selling these packages for, you know, upwards of $10,000 or more. So then Ray launches his event, his 2021 Rankmakers Live event, which was going to be happening in September of that year. Well, my husband and I had plans the weekend that it was launching. And I said that I wasn't going to be able to attend. I didn't give a ton of information, but I was basically shamed and guilted in front of the group and told that I needed to like, you know, maybe I wasn't a team player in so many words. I don't, I don't even remember exactly what was said, but I do remember feeling like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to make this work. Even if I have to do it, like in the hotel room, like during some time. And so that's what I did. Instead of like enjoying this time away with my husband, I, the whole weekend was like all about showing up for the Rank Makers live event. And I do take personal responsibility for that. But like, I have no days off. So Like, when am I supposed to be able to not show up to work? And the stress and the burn, and and this really pissed me off. And I think it was a little bit of guilt and shame and rage. And I was like really pissed that I still had to show up for this event. Um, So much so that it started to affect my teeth and my gums. And I am told that I need to have dental surgery. Uh, Cause for like grinding, I guess, grinding my teeth. <laughs> and so I schedule that for December, 2021. It's September, 2021. At this point, December, 2021, this time learning my lesson, I check ahead of time with other coaches. I move all my coaching calls and I take this time off for this dental surgery. We don't get any benefits, any time off, nothing. I'm having a difficult time even speaking or even moving my mouth and my jaw. I am, I am taking painkillers. I have antibiotics. I'm trying to rest and heal and really just enjoy a day off, honestly. Mm. And during my supposed day off, I get a call from my coaching, like boss, like head coach to see if I can handle a difficult they asked me if I could handle a difficult client who is thinking about quitting the program. And I explained to him, I can barely talk, you know, like I have, I'm I'm taking some painkillers. They convinced me to, to take the call like, and, and love bomb me and say like, I'm the only one who can turn this around. And if I turn it around that they'll throw in a bonus for me. And I can still see the look on my husband's face when he like heard me say yes, that I was going to take the call. Like he just couldn't even believe it. Like, I'm like, oh my God, like he's going to be so mad at me or he's so mad at, he's probably so mad at Higdon group, but I feel totally taken advantage of, but I'm like, fine, I'll just do it. Like there's a bonus in it, whatever. I am on the phone with this woman for two hours listening to her rant and rave about actually she's not ranting and raving. I shouldn't even say that she's 
has legit feelings that are real because she is in a, you know, she's probably being scammed. And I listen to her and I barely talk and I turn her around. She decides that she will stick with the program, but she wants me to be her new coach. So I let like my boss know or whatever, and I'm like expecting to be offered this bonus. So now it's changed though. Oh, well, it's great that she'll stay in. Let's see. Let's hope. Let's see if she rides out the rest of her sessions. And let's say she's got another six months and we can pay it to you then. So not only did I now talk to this woman for two hours, now I have a, a difficult client on my docket, okay, for of my clientele. And you didn't get your bonus. And I didn't get my bonus. I am fucking pissed at this point. And I feel taken advantage of. I feel disrespected. I feel lied to. I feel betrayed. Like all of the things. And honestly, I think the painkillers maybe like shut off my ability to like explain it away. <laughs> well, they probably helped. I don't know. Oh, that's not advocating for anything, but you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I, I'm like, I'm so mad. The only thing I know how to do is to go on TikTok and start watching Julie Anderson's content because I knew she was speaking out. I had avoided watching it because... Or maybe I would catch little glimpses of it, but it was like, my brain was like, oh, don't, don't watch it. It's bad. Don't take in negative information. I sat there. Pause. Meanwhile, fill in the leaders, how Ray was already coaching you guys to not pay attention to her. Yeah. So he was making this, these videos about her, like saying that she was like disparaging the industry and you know, she was misguided and it's really sad. Like he, he also would say like in the same sentence, I really loved her and she was one of our clients. And he would say, she didn't have any success before coming into rank makers. Meanwhile, Julie's done 18 Ironman races. Like, don't tell me she's never had any success before rank makers. And actually coming into rank makers, she never ranked up or did like anything. If anything, like she just became more dedicated to Ray, like we all did. That wasn't her. It's just part of being in a high control group. So he would make this content really saying like, if you go watch her stuff, you're going to become misguided too. You don't want that getting in your head. You don't want it to distract you from the mission of your MLM and your business and your dreams. Yeah. And this is really important because it's basically like, you know, if you go and drink, if you drink a glass and it has a little bit of poison, the whole thing is poison, you know? And so it's really the way they can try to control what information we take in. So we become our own inner tyrant controlling our behavior from letting us see what they don't want us to see because it actually gets us critically thinking. Yes. And she was like calling it a cult and stuff like that. And I wasn't really ready to hear that quite yet. So my cognitive dissonance, like I would kind of shut down where I'd like watch a little bit and then I'd like have to shut down the app. And then I'd like go back like that whole day. I pretty much looked at her stuff, but she did like, she recommended the documentary Lula rich, which is on Amazon prime. She recommended 
Combating Cult Mind Control and Freedom of Mind by Stephen Hassan, Ponzi Novics by Robert Fitzpatrick, Take Back Your Life by Yanya Lalich. I ordered all of those books mm. and I started to read and I started to take in other information from these things she was recommending and reading Combat and Cult Mind Control and going through the bite model, the behavior information, thought and emotional control checklist. Mm-hmm. That is, I, I had that moment in December, 2021. Oh my God, I'm in a cult. It's so hard when you've been primed and trained within a system to see something for what it is. So as listeners, it's, it's so normal to be so pulled in and, and notice how Jennifer talked about, she could only handle a little bit at a time, right? Cause she wasn't yet ready to call it a cult. And I can, I can really relate to that, you know, 12 years ago when my business ended, I knew there was manipulation that happened. I knew something sinister just happened, but I didn't have the bandwidth or the emotional capacity to figure out what any of that was yet. Um, so I, I knew there were cult related things. I knew there were cult dynamics, but I didn't know how to actually land and look at some of the things that are in plain sight that we can go read and look at um, because my, I had been so indoctrinated that if it was meant to be, it was up to me, you know, and then the burden kept falling on my capacity and my ability. So I just, I really, I, I want to honor that awareness. Like you ordered all these books and suddenly you're like, I see it. I've been in a cult. And there's so many pieces of this that I've only put together, like within the last couple months, like even, you know, not being offered like the bonus and, you know, the fact so, so much of the work being really unpaid. And it, it's crazy that even though I was, even when you get out, you still think, was, am I making too much out of this? Like, am I crazy? That's right. Is this, was it, is it, was it maybe not that bad? That's right. And little by little, I'm like, oh yeah, it was that bad. Or when I speak to people who understand like you or have like training and knowledge and expertise around these things, it it does make it easier. And so thank you. Um, Well, it's one of the things that stood out to me about the content that you make on social media now, your waking up process, you know, and as I reminded Julie, I mean, I'll comment on how fresh you all are out, but there's no shame in you speaking out right away. I think it's just so powerful and potent that you have that capacity. I didn't have anywhere near that capacity. I was like, oh my God, I'm a wreck. Plus I didn't know anything about social media either. So that would have been a learning curve for me. But why I find it so inspiring is because if we don't do what you're doing, if we don't break down some of the tactics that are being used, that when we recruit an MLM, this is being said, but this is what it actually means. You're doing, you're taking that same ferocity that you've dedicated all these years in your business. And you're starting to actually like break down some of those tactics, which I appreciate because as much as it's been so many years for me, I'm able to let my story come up and out of me by listening and watching your content. And I'm being like, oh my God, do I know that? Well, damn, I could write a whole story on just that little thing you just did. And so it's, it it is a mutual inspiration that starts to happen that helps us heal. 
and and it's funny that you say that because I'll get comments sometimes on my content that's like, why don't you just get over it? Like it happened, you know, like why dwell on it? Mm. And I, and I have to laugh because a lot of these people don't know. I, I get at least eight years of speaking out for Ray. I hope I don't, I hope eight years from now I'm not speaking out about him, but I get at least that time about MLM and Ray, because that's, I, if I could be so vocal about how amazing Arbon is, how much it changed my life and give all this credit over to Ray for three years. And, and just, he's just the end all be all this omniscient guy who I owe my life to. Then I get to do that on the other side, just as much. And I, I don't know if it's like some weird thing. Like, I feel like the only way I'm going to reconcile that is to be just as loud on this side as I was when I was in. That's right. Relentless, relentless, right? A yeah. relentless recruiter. And I think it's such a powerful thing to dedicate yourself to and getting that kind of naysayer energy. You know, why don't you just get over it? It's really one of the ways that everyday average people victim shame language like that. So if you do that to your friend, that's not helpful to, to be told that as a trauma survivor. And I don't care what trauma you've gone through, financial manipulation, mental and emotional, psychological abuse, like an MLM and personal development groups, um, or sexual and physical abuse, you know, all these things impact us in such twisted and distorted ways. Um, that when I see that level of voice coming out, I feel that I can feel like you're giving the equal amount of energy you gave to recruiting to speaking out about why these tactics aren't good. And it inspires me because I finally feel like I have bandwidth to say something to this, to add to the story. And it pisses me off that people will be like that, like get over it. And it's like, fuck off. You have no <laughs> idea, you know, and I've had, you know, and I don't know if this happens. I know it happens to people, but I had a lot of, it's built into the multi-level marketing industry and the personal development industry that if you quit, it's your fault because one of the sentences or sentiments that you have to buy in to get as far as Jennifer got is never, ever quit. And so success will happen if you never, ever quit. Somebody in Amway got that in the seventies, you know, and decades later they were manipulated. And I, you can look at the tactics and you're like, wow, these tactics haven't changed. So that relentless commitment to say never, ever quit. And here you are bringing that same relentless commitment because what else do we got? We bought in. You got to burn your boats so then you can never get off the island. You're, you've got to make it work on the island that you've created for yourself. Absolutely. And, and that is such deep psychosis because mm -hmm. we come into the industry for the exact opposite of reasons, right? It, it's, it's to help people. Mm -hmm. It's to be able to have more free time so that we're not spending all of our time and energy working a job. The idea that you're willing to work hard for five or six or seven years so that the rest of your life, you don't have to work anymore. I bought in hook, line and sinker. Yeah, I can dedicate 10 years, no problem. You know, at first it was five and then it was 10 because it didn't matter right? It didn't matter how long it took because of the person that you're becoming. And this is what I find so sinister about personal development industry in this capacity, that they're, they're preying on our desire to get better. 
to to let what do they say steel sharpen steel you know and this idea that there are some real biological realities that we can you know what we focus on we can get results in and that we could come very very dedicated and what pains me is that the effort and the dedication and the skill sets you learned as a coach you could have actually been in a real coaching model teaching you how to develop your own coaching clients, actually helping people learn real methodologies of, of facing issues and overcoming themselves and trying, you know, like real methodologies of becoming better as opposed to methodologies that are just getting you to buy their next thing. I, yes, I could have for sure. And me, and me too. That's what pains me about <laughs> yeah. it. It's like, Fuck, you know, the extraction yes. of your energy and your time and your money and your emotional um, support ofness. That's what I got. Like they extracted my trustworthiness. I was a fucking great recruiter because I'm fucking trustworthy and I yep. care. And I know that's you too. And these systems, whether they're personal development or multi-level marketing, they extract really genuine energy out of people like you and me. Mm -hmm. I, at this point, and I decided I, I was going to leave Arbonne and MLM, even though I'm an MLM coach. So I'm like kind of grappling like, oh, I'm going to be a fraud and this like imposter syndrome. I'm like trying to figure all of this out. And this is in January, beginning of the month, January, 2022. I, I'm like, I have to get out of Arbonne and I've got to figure out an exit plan for Ray and rank makers. And I still did kind of believe, not going to lie that like I could do coaching differently. Cause I had this training from Tony Robbins that was overall positive. And I'm like, well, I could just always go off on my own and do it, whatever. Well, in January, 2022, my, the woman who brought me into Arbonne, who had only been in like a couple of weeks prior to me, like she didn't know what she was doing. I still like, I hold her in the highest regard. I think she's amazing. She's still in, but like, I would love to see her get out. She's an incredible woman. She tragically lost her husband last January. And like, we traveled with them and we were very close and like it, it was horrible and I'm like I I have to stay in at least for a few more months to like support her and you know we we send a gift and we make a donation to like a GoFundMe and we try to do things to like help support her she's like a widow and it's it's horrific for for her for like our team it, it's just very devastating. And so I, I stick around to like support her by March, my Arbonne idea is up for renewal. And I'm like, I, I just have to like have an honest conversation with her and let her know. Well, I also come to find out that like her upline and their, and that person's upline. So like three people up from me, they're reaching out to my team on the side and they're saying, oh, could you just do, you know, I'll change your name. We'll say Sarah. This isn't her name, but Sarah's husband passed away. And, you know, she really needs us to step up right now. If you could just get like three Arbonne events on the calendar this month, it would be really great. And 
they manipulated my team. They didn't do it to me because they knew like I, I was already like on my way out, I think. But again, that pissed me off. And I could see the cult, like the manip. I could see it. I'm like, they are using her husband's death in an attempt to try to motivate the team sales. for sales and recruiting and for their own benefit. I mean, if they really cared to support her during this time, why don't they start like a meal train or like, you know, some sort of fundraising effort or offer to watch her kids or no, this was all about building their Arbonne business. Sick. Totally. Sick. It was so sick. And it makes me sick just like thinking about it. So I don't renew my Arbonne ID and April, I messaged Julie Anderson on TikTok and I let her know, like, I'm, I didn't renew my ID with my MLM. I'm working on my exit strategy with Ray. Please don't tell anybody, you know, but you know, I've been watching you like, thank you so much for all of your like support. And it's weird because there was another coach for Ray that reached out to me and said like, she was questioning and things were feeling, weren't feeling right. She wasn't feeling aligned with MLM anymore. That those were her words. Um, and I also had another coach saying like, they were starting to question some things. So I feel like I'm not alone here. Like mm. everybody's questioning. So we have the meeting with Ray in April and he basically he spent the whole time shaming us for not selling enough tickets to his upcoming event um, or getting more people to renew their coaching packages. And it was all this thing about how, like, even if people don't need it, he said his own words, and this is all in a highlight on my Instagram. People can see this recorded. He literally says, even if they're hanging on by a thread, we need to get them into our coaching programs. Yeah. And like, I, I just couldn't do it. And so I began to talk to some of the other coaches a little bit, gather more information. On May 26th, 2022, during the next month coaches meeting with Ray, another coach who had been questioning, as far as I knew, brought up how it seemed like so many clients were struggling with their mental health and that it seemed that telling them to buy more coaching or just put their head down and do the work seemed not only counterproductive, but it seemed harmful. And Ray took it upon himself to go off on this tangent about this new book that he was writing and pitch his book. And he explained that these clients like this just needed to read his book. They needed to learn how to defy their emotions because they were addicted to their emotions. And I recognized everything he was saying from all the cult literature that I was reading. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God, he's having people deny their intuition and their emotions. He's, um, you know, confusing them. He's using loaded language. He, I, I just, it like all clicked. Well, apparently you could see it on my face. Like, I don't know, but, or maybe it's that I wasn't like, feverishly taking notes or like fawning at him like I had been like in other meetings. Well, he calls me out in the middle of the meeting and he says, Ryla, what's up? 
And I'm like, nothing. What's up with you? And like, I didn't, you know, widen my eyes and like worship him. And he, he like laughs and he's like, oh, wow, what an endearing tone. And he belittled me in front of the whole group. And it felt like when a guy you don't know, like, is all up in your business and then tells you to smile more. <laughs> mm, yes. So like that just like clicked for me. And I went, I went, actually, and I, and I know I've read all the narcissist literature now. And I know like I did everything wrong. <laughs> like you're not supposed to attack, deny, you're not like, it doesn't work. But I, it was a total like survival response. And I just laid into him and I said that basically like I thought what he was doing was deceptive, manipulative. And I confronted him in front of the entire group and that he was only trying to sell his book and his courses and that he didn't really care about the mental health of these clients and that he's his answer for everything is just to sell them more coaching. And he denied that. He said, I never said that. And I had recording of him from just the previous month's meeting. And I've put, again, I've, oops, I've put all of this into a highlight on my Instagram reel, wow. on my Instagram, um, to show like how he said all of this. Mm -hmm. I had to get off the call because I had to get on a coaching meeting with another client. And he took it upon himself without me present to just tell everybody that I was a great example of someone who hadn't mastered their emotions and had this resentment that was unresolved. And this is what happens when people allow hate to consume them. And actually during the meeting, he even, he used the word hate like seven times. And he's like, well, if you hate it so much here and you hate what we're doing and you hate me and you think I'm this evil guy, why have you stuck around? And in the video, I'm like trying to get his attention. I'm like, Ray, Ray, can you hear me? Ray, can you hear me? Because he's talking over me and he's not letting me talk. And finally, I just yell. I'm like, Ray, can you hear me? And he goes, yeah. And he just deflates. And that's the moment when like the emperor isn't wearing any clothes. And I saw him for who he was. And I realized this guy is not who I thought he was like, meaning he's fragile. Yeah. Yeah. And Just a little he, boy. yes. Um, and so, like I said, I had to get off the call and he continued to set the group against me. And within 24 hours, I was removed from all the Facebook groups, the text threads, the email um, system, the messenger threads, all those things that I said was unpaid work. <laughs> uh, and I was not allowed to say goodbye to any of my coaching clients. Content was made about me the same way that it was made about Julie, that I was misguided, yeah. vibrating at a lower frequency. So... I began making anti-MLM and anti-cult content on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. And I received a huge backlash from rank makers. Like they all came 
mm. just like they did to Julie. And I didn't know they did this. Um, but you know, they all came to like, to raise defense and swarmed us like social it, media pylons where yeah, like, you know, go and, and comment and do all the things. It was insane. Um, but like, we felt like the, the small group of whistleblowers, I guess, like we felt like there was this urgency. Probably part of that was just like the trauma from MLM because everything's urgent. But there was this urgency because Ray was getting more into this religious and spiritual like ideologies. And we weren't sure where this was going to go because, you know, there are a lot of groups like Jonestown and Waco and the Branch Davidians and like all of these things start with like some guy having this coming out as a prophet and claiming like that they're God, right? Well, sure enough, November, even though I have to say I never saw this coming, November 2022, Ray announces that he is starting a walk in faith with Ray and has declared himself a prophet and is now selling like Christian coaching packages. He's even talked about maybe starting his own church, doing a spiritual retreat in South America, um, mentions of the second coming. I mean, it's crazy. And that's where we're at. That's where he's at. That's where he's at. You're out. And now you're watching yes. that. And I, and I just want to point out, if you're not familiar with, with the history of cults, you know, one of the reasons that somebody likes a, like a Ray, you know, flips the scripts and becomes a prophet is because there's far more protection for religious organizations in this country than there are for business entities. So companies like MLMs and other personal development companies, you know, have to be accountable to some level. There are eventual repercussions, whether it's the FTC or the SEC or all the kind of false claims and consumer advocacy that happens. But in religious organizations, these people can hide so much more. Um, and because that's how the United States was founded, there's a lot of protections that go around uh, religious religious organizations that are actually cults. Um, 100% agree with you. We are dealing with like a master manipulator. And, you know, marketing, I don't want to call him a genius, but he's just like, he's, he's rebranding himself because the, the MLM industry has received a lot of backlash. The anti-MLM movement is making headway, which is like an, an amazing thing. And yeah. I think he sees that and is like, well, what, what's the next grift? Because I don't know how much longer I can grift on off of MLMs. So what? Oh, religion. That seems really safe. No one. Which is a know. great base for MLMers because so many MLMers yep. have been indoctrinated into the Christian uh, thought process because so many companies are rooted in, in that. Um, yeah, it's just all really great points. And um, I really appreciate the ferocity you bring. I appreciate the dedication and what it means to pivot, what it means to recognize not only what has I abused, but I in turn abused. I in turn used these manipulative tactics on others and involve people in an industry that, you know, that may still be going right with or without you. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's stuff to, that we all have to come to grips with over time. And your willingness to put truth out there to really start breaking down some of those tactics 
um, is admirable, but also very, very necessary. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you covered a lot. This is a ton. Um, so much. It's also, I also want people to feel the lethargy that you may feel after hearing this is nothing compared to the lethargy that, that went into becoming this dedicated over an eight-year period of time. Um, I know as a former multi-level marketer, you don't know where the decade passes. You know, something starts as this little small thing. And before you know it, you're organizing your life uh, from quarter to quarter, which is the next event in September. That's why when she's going through your, your, your timeline, you know, you talk in terms of MLM timelines, you know, September, this event happened. And then by December, 2021, and then by January, 2022, and then by May, because everything is like, the next thing, right? And we're we're going from January. And it's month to month to month. Yeah. Yep. It is. It's very month. I've never quarterly. thought about that before. Oh my gosh, you're so right. And it's it's so funny because I still it's taken a long time to unindoctrinate. Um, but it's also because I was born into a religious cult, right? I was born into a yoga cult and then I joined MLM at 22. So from Stephen Hassan's work, he talks about you can't really unpack the the cult you joined until you revisit who you were before you joined. So I had so much cult history. That's why it's it's exciting to kind of feel like, wow, the things you talk about, not only can I touch on, it brings up full on memories for me that I'm like, oh, I've never talked about that yet. Ooh, because like I've noticed in doing these podcasts, there are predatory themes. And the sooner we can learn the lingo of the predatory themes, then we realize it's not that guy. It's not that group. It's not the thing because these things are everywhere around us, but they are manipulative patterns and these patterns are at play. And the sooner we can detect them or discern them or decipher them, we become a better tool, right? We become a better teacher, a better coach, a better helper, and that's what you're doing with your content. You're breaking down things that seemingly are not dangerous, but let me show you how manipulative and dangerous it really is. And this is what it's being used for. And it's kind of scary how pervasive these patterns are that people are like, oh, well, cults are everywhere. So who cares? Like the economy is a cult. Um, America yes. is a cult. And I get comments like that all the time. And I'm like, just because like, don't you see that this is a problem? This needs That's, to be addressed and talked about out in the open. That's right. So by it's, you coming on my anti-MLM stuff and saying, oh, well, it's not that bad because every, you know, corporate's a cult too. So you don't really have a choice of what job it's like. So let's no, not every corporation is, is that way. So let's break down. What are the patterns? I, I'm so glad exactly. you said that. It's so important again, um, because I get that response too, right? There's so much apathy and there's so much numbing and mm -hmm. it's really a desensitization. It's when we've normalized abuse so long that when you point out like this isn't okay, you say, yeah, but the government's a cult. But 
it doesn't mean that state state sanctioned violence, you know, or government sanctioned violence is okay. It doesn't mean that these secrets are okay. Just because it's normalized at such high levels doesn't mean that we should normalize it through all levels of our life. We should be able to witness the tactics and be able to say, well, what's a better way to organize? What's a better thing? But that's almost purposeful. Like the population is like, yeah, it's everywhere. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Does that mean that we should just keep letting pedophiles grow in our families? No, <laughs> we should talk about it, right? Same thing with MLM. It's become so normalized. It's helped me to watch the anti-MLM industry grow in the last couple of years because it's helped me look at the amount of documentation that shows, no, industry-wide, this is consumer fraud. Industry-wide, this yep. is deception. And the deception is staying hidden because of public policy and because of uh, lobbyists and monies from MLM companies yep. that position themselves as the DSA, but it's really the DSA is only funded by these companies. So you start to realize, wow, everything I ever used in MLM to legitimize the industry is the illegitimacy of the industry. Yes, it's so nuts. It's like it's like a master course in manipulation strategy. And because that manipulation happens, say, in Congress with Republicans and Democrats, and then the monies that are being funded, whether it's NRA funding a group or whether it's MLMs funding, we know these things happen. And so then there's yep. lobbyists and those lobbyists get money to be able to give. So then certain legislation is getting passed. And when you realize the manipulation is at this level, you realize, A, it's that much more important for us to speak to the tactics that are used because it's not going to stop anytime soon if we're yep. seeing where the government manipulation is existing and big business and big business like big banking, this level of manipulation go on for a long time before there's any real stop gaps. So it does make advocacy that much more important. It does make the one-on-one -on -one recruiting efforts that you and I dedicated decades of our life to, to re-pivot and do that same level of ferocity to speak to predatory patterns or to speak to MLM manipulation or coaching manipulation. Because that level of dedication, as well as fear that you had to Ray, I recognize it. I recognize it as the dedication that I had for my leaders training company or for the company that I was selling products for until I realized they were both manipulating me. And then even when I got kicked out of my own company, I still didn't exactly know what happened. I still believed in the industry because the industry had made me better. I was a better person because of it and all these things. And so I just, I, again, I really appreciate your openness and your vulnerability to kind of share the timelines because it's really hard for a listener to understand how a, a mom who's dedicated and your husband and all the things, how you could just put more and more and more and more and more into something with only a vision that you're striving for. And if anyone listening can believe it, there's just, there's so much we didn't, we can't even we get cover. to. I mean, it's, I it's, a, it, I mean, it's like eight years and if, <laughs> but thank you. I, I, I'm really, I'm happy to answer questions with anyone who, who reaches out like in a healthy way. 
I, one of the things I've learned is to set healthy boundaries though. So, I mean, but it's, we have to keep shining a light on it because like the shame is what perpetuates that culture of dependency and obedience. That's right. And that shame used in public settings. And so again, the more you can actually rewind and listen to some of the books that she, um, that Jennifer talked about, these will help because what it is, it's like equipping you with, with armor of real, of real language. It's like getting a dictionary with the actual real terminology of things versus you were given an MLM dictionary and, or a personal development dictionary. And while some of those things may be rooted in truths, most of it is a web of lies. And so when, when truth is commingled with lies, and I say this purposely because you can be in in you can be learning real spiritual truths wrapped around manipulative tactics. You could be learning real business principles wrapped around manipulative tactics. And so it's really hard to separate the two when you're trying to locate who you are within the eight years of of where you just have dedicated your life to. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And it is a process. So um, just know that you can reach out to Jennifer and, and follow her on her online because her content is steadily coming out and it is very helpful. The other thing is it's very easy for, for memories to be repressed. You could see how in this conversation, Jennifer had memories come up and then I had memories come up. And so the closer it is home to your own experience, meaning you were manipulated, the more you might experience tiredness as you listen to this episode, the more you might experience um, of a vitriol response, right? Notice what comes up for you and then take the time, turn it off and then re-put it back on because hearing these things over again, we can be ready to hear something at a very different time and stage and something opens up for us. Yeah. Yeah. So well said you, you, I can tell that you've been speaking to a lot of people and doing a lot of work yourself, because again, this is like a difficult thing to understand and you really do a great job of explaining it. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I I find listening is such a great tool for all of us as trauma survivors um, because somebody else's story, just like in MLM, when we learned stories, facts tell and stories sell, right? And a lot of these, I know here's one of those lines again, (laughs) you know, one of the things I've had to do in the last decade is really sort through what were tactics and what are good, you know, like what was the truth and what was the tack, you know? Um, and there's nothing wrong with good sales people. I think sales is a wonderful thing, but when you've used sales in such manipulative ways, it's all enmeshed in there. And so, um, anyway, there's just a lot here. I want you to know that if you're a personal development junkie like us, yeah. Um, <laughs> Recovering. Yeah. Recovering personal (laughs) development junkie. Totally. I'm totally still am recovering personal development junkie. Um, I have to work at fun, like Mm -hmm. stop fucking growing, just fucking have some fun, you know, like it's just okay. And a lot of these things root back to my own, you know, cold upbringing. So I won't spend too much time on that because it's a different story, but I just want you to hear there's nothing wrong with being dedicated to become better. And perhaps you are enough. Perhaps there's nothing to improve on. And when there's multi-billion dollar industries that thrive on our not enoughness, 
and there's new science that comes out about your brain and your body and your focus and your goals and all the things, you know, just know that this, these industries prey on, on us wanting to become better humans. And so there can be real truths in here that kind of feed on our essence. And that's why we dedicate ourselves. You, you know, Jennifer didn't dedicate herself because the product was so good or because the recruiting methodologies were so great or because Ray was such a great guy, but because there are systems that are preying on our emotions and our longing to belong. And that's why reading about cults and uh, high demand groups, if that word triggers you a little bit too much, it does help just like reading about narcissism helps because you begin to recognize yourself in somebody else's story and you realize you're not alone. This didn't just happen to you. These are patterns and these patterns have been on repeat since the age of time and they just mm -hmm. get better and better and more technologically advanced because they're taking the original pattern and manipulating it to their own uniqueness. Welcome mm -hmm. to marketing 21st century. <laughs> So this was a great conversation. Again, follow Jennifer and um, fo and share this with other MLMers. You know, we need to stop legitimizing the industry. We need to stop supporting by buying products. And we need to really call things out for what they are. Thank you so much. Tell us about your song. I know you got to run out of here and get your kids. So I'm going to let you go to do that. But um, introduce us to why you chose this song. So I chose a song called Make Me a Boat. It's by a band called The Family Crest. And I chose the song because this is a band that's kind of near and dear to my family's heart. Like we all listen to this band. So number one, I feel like the reason why I got into MLM was because of my family. I wanted to be a better mom. And then also coming out of it and reconciling like how some of my decisions also affected my family. So I felt this, I, I chose this to kind of give homage to them <clears throat> but also the the personal development tagline that is like burn your boats which means to go all in and this concept of like if you burn your boats and you stay on the island and then you have no choice but to commit and I just love that this is like a play on that because it's like make me a boat to like get me out of here and it's kind of, I feel like this song is kind of like, as I mean, as you'll see with the lyrics, it's just like your escape out. All right, folks, let's listen to this song. It is called The Family Crest. Uh, make me a boat. The Family Crest. Make me a boat. Make me a boat. And set me afloat And carry me home mm -hmm. Find me a way That's soft and safe Be sure to check out the full song on the playlist. The link is in the show notes. But for copyright reasons, we don't play the entire song. But once again, that was the family crest. Make me a boat. So I really loved this conversation. 
Thank you, Jennifer, for being with us. Um, as you can tell, listeners, this is a very personal topic. I invested 12 years of my life in the multi-level marketing industry. And different than with Jennifer's story, um, the training system was built into um, those 12 years for me. Um, what I was blown away by with Jennifer's story um, was how the industry has evolved and how the MLM coaching industry has gotten so sophisticated that it literally recruits people from all different multi-level marketing companies into their system. And what Ray Higdon did in his rank maker system, basically getting people from a $20 investment into several thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars to basically becoming dedicated coaches working for him for 20 bucks at a session. Like who does a coaching call for 20 bucks a session? That's just asinine to me. But the fact that his system is, is well-known, it's a model that's used within the multi-level marketing industry from any person I've ever known that has ever made any money in the multi-level marketing industry. They always transition into some sort of a level of coach. Um, it's probably one of the reasons I've always had such a repulsion for the coaching industry. Um, for other reasons too, but it is interesting to hear, to, to listen and to, to hear her story kind of blew my mind um, and how they siphon such amounts of, of time and effort and attention um, to build his own system. And then all the same tactics that were used and have been used in multi-level marketing are used in these same coaching MLM models. So. What I have to say is watch out out there, folks. Um, everyone can sell themselves as a coach. There is no regulation on the industry of coaching. Um, just know that anyone can pretty much sell anything they want online. They can call themselves an expert at anything. Um, I've been in the online space for the last 10 years in my recovery years from multi-level marketing. And it is an interesting and scary place to be. Um, all the more reasons to really be learning the lingo of predatory abuse in business and culture. And the lingo has everything to do with power dynamics, manipulation and sales tactics, and cult, cult language, okay? The language of, of, of belonging in groups. So I can't encourage you enough to rewind this episode, listen back to her story, especially some of those areas where she's mentioning the books and some of the things that were starting to wake her up because this type of manipulation exists in academia. It exists in the professional world, in corporate spaces. It exists in business development spaces, personal development spaces, multi-level marketing spaces. It exists in lots and lots of spaces. And if you're a person who's dedicated to growing and getting better, it's very, very easy to get um, spun into somebody's web of manipulation. Watch out out there, folks. I want to say thank you so much for your listening power. Listening changes lives. Listening can crack the code or the veil of our own perceived reality to help us to start seeing clearly and feeling more fully and to stop denying our reality and start seeing things for what they really are. So please be sure to check out some of those books. 
combating mind control and um, the work by Dr. Yanya Lalich on cults, take back your life. And um, I would also throw in there Dr. Alexander Stein on um, love, terror, and brainwashing. Love, terror, and brainwashing. Uh, systems of totalitarian control. Because so many of the things that that Jennifer spoke to and that she's still um, going to be unpacking for, for many more years to come is the tactics of love and manipulation that are being used within these uh, elite group coaching spaces. And a lot of people like me are well-meaning, dedicated people that never realized I was manipulating people. I, I really brought my genuineness to the table. And I think I probably was a better than many, um, but it's still manipulation. So a little bit of poison is still poison. And we have to reconcile that within ourselves and within our own lives as we heal. So thank you again for listening. Um, be sure to share this episode with a friend. Until next time, folks, thanks for tuning in. This has been another episode of Uncomfortable Conversations on Predators in Business, Community, and Culture. If you need support beyond this listening space, you can connect with me at gurunishan.com. I'm a writer, speaker, and trauma healing activist, offering free and paid resources, online courses, and consulting in personal and professional reinvention. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, please email me at gn at gurunishan.com or check the show notes for details. Please also like, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with someone that you love. Please remember your listening and sharing support is greatly appreciated. The information presented in this podcast are for general educational purposes only. The views and opinions expressed are solely the views of the individuals involved. By listening, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Nothing in this podcast is intended to replace the services of a trained therapist, doctor, or health professional, or otherwise to substitute for professional mental health, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Guru Nishan LLC and affiliate organizations shall under no circumstances be liable to any listener of the podcast or viewer for any action or inaction on your part as a result of the content you consume on this podcast or for any adverse reaction, including any emotional distress you experience as a result of consuming this podcast.